The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cats on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Columbia down the way. <laughs> and the sound effect has been brought to you by none other than our man in Brooklyn, Brooklyn's finest, one agent underscore 70. What's up, everybody? I was wondering if you wanted to pick that one up. I was trying to think which one I hadn't played in a while because I put up a bunch of new ones and I hadn't actually tapped them yet uh, uh, for a, a show. So, right, right. So, all right, folks. So we can always. Oh, uh, Scott. I was gonna say we've already discussed what we want to talk about first, but uh, do you have any uh, quick plugs you want to get out of the way? Well, yeah. Let me. Um, yeah, let me go ahead and finish. Uh, finish the the whole pluggy pluggy thing. Uh, you can find his here podcast on. Uh, the CSPN network. That's the Coastal of the Podcast Network, CSPN.us. Do it today. Ooh, that's an interesting thing. Sorry, I need to get off. Let me get off of Twitter. Uh, you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. <laughs> And uh, folks, uh, we are here recording live on the the YouTubes and the Twitches. That's youtube.com slash theclicknation. Um, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. And also twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, which you are, if you are there, joining us live, either one of them. Hey, how y'all doing? I was about to say, and make sure you hit the subscribe button however you reach us. <laughs> <laughs> Smash that like button! <laughs> oh god, I have been seeing that a, a couple of times, including in a in a Discord uh, uh, server that I'm in. I'm like, really? <laughs> I was about to say, at least I do it with some modicum of decor. You know, it's like, come on, just please subscribe. However, it is you access the show, indeed, and leave five star reviews on Apple if you go that way. Um. Oh wow! I didn't know Comic Book uh, Resources has a, t- a Twitch channel. Interesting. Um, for some strange reason, it is coming up, and I don't even follow them. So, and I would imagine they're probably it's probably because of um, uh, Game Award stuff that's going on right now as we're recording. Uh, so, if you're a video game fan, you're probably watching that. 
and I almost had a, a link up to it uh, myself, but I figured, you know what, the show, got to do the show. Anyway, speaking of the show, we are the first thing we're going to get to right now is talk about last week's episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, which uh, is spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! We're going to spoil the hell out of this, probably. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, but if you've, I mean, I've, a lot of people have seen it by now. In fact, I do remember. Excuse me. The day of, it's like if people were like, "Oh my gosh, this and that," other, and I think I think I had it spoiled, kind of, slightly spoiled for me because I think I saw something from Ming Na Wen, which there's a spoiler uh-huh. right there. Right, 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 right. So let me ring the spoiler bell because that is uh, the clue for everyone who is listening on a podcast if they missed out on me saying spoiler. Here we go. Spoilers herein for The Mandalorian episode chapter 14. Should I give them the title? Yes, I should. Sure. Uh, Chapter 14. Wait, chapter 14, episode 6. Yes, it's episode 6 of season 2. The Tragedy. Yep, which oh. yeah, which should tell you something right then and there. Um, although, well, I mean, we'll get into it. Like, it was, it's bad. Well, it wasn't as bad as I, I thought. Probably blinked. I probably blinked when the title card came up. I didn't see the title card. Right. I looked away when I was watching it or, you know, I think I was doing it over lunch, you know, Friday afternoon. So I had like my lunch in front of me. And I probably looked down to take a bite, and I missed the title card. So I completely had no idea what the title of the of the episode was until I went back um, uh, afterwards. Right. Yeah, I'm trying. I know I definitely saw it, but it was like um, I might have seen it. I might have saw it before I even watched it, though. Because like I think I just watched it like honestly earlier today is <laughs> when I first saw it, when I first when I actually watched it, but. Um, Surprisingly enough, the spoilers that I did get of it wasn't as bad as um, uh, wasn't as bad as uh, what I couldn't have got it, you know, what I've couldn't have gotten it before now. Anyway, so right. avoided uh, the worst of it. I understand. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so we basically start off with uh, the Mandalorian and AKA Din Djarin with Baby Yoda, AKA uh, Groku, Rogu, excuse me. Um, and the Razor Crest. Just call him an electronic device to record or stream TV. <laughs> you know Should what? Consider, consider, His name is Grogu. <laughs> I, well, so here's the funny part about it. There is a Pokemon named Grokey, and right. I was thinking about that, not necessarily Roku, but yes. And of course, there's Goku from uh, Dragon Ball Z, which I think I made that joke on Twitter uh, uh, after that episode happened, but anyway, uh, we start with uh, Mand- Lone Mando and Child in the Razor Crest heading towards Tython, uh, which, um, like I said last week, I'm fairly certain is, um, and they even said it, it's like a, a Jedi planet where there's a temple. Whereas, but if you are familiar with the Old Republic MMO, uh, that is the starter planet for Jedi characters. Or at least one of them, anyway. But yeah, but pretty much the Jedi characters start uh, on Tython, and I almost um, fired up the Old Republic just to see if the place that they went to is in that game, and I didn't do it. Um, oh, okay. Because I don't know if that that was a that was, a, and obviously Tython has been you know is in probably been in like some old EU books or or you know in, in some some literature somewhere. Um, 
um, back in the day. I don't don't remember any recent mentions of it outside of this. But regardless, they're heading there in a Razor Quest. Um, <laughs> uh, Din is pretty much giggling like a a, a full knowing, not knowing that Grogu's uh, real name is. Because he was like, because he was basically like, um, you know, baby, uh, I'm still calling baby Yoda every now and then, so don't, whatever, get used to it. Um, Grogu's playing with the little silver ball like he normally does, the the, the gear shift thing, and 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 Jen takes it from him. It's like Grogu, take the thing, the thing. I know you could do it, just to see him do the, you know, just to see him do the the force. Uh, thing and every time and he was calling them you know calling by his name just and and poor Grogu was like why do you keep calling me <laughs> every time he the thing is there's a sound that if you watch the show with closed captioning yes is depicted as coos mm-hmm. right baby coos so every time he says Grogu and he goes huh? mm-hmm. and that's the cutest sound that really you is. just can't help but kind of chuckle at and that's exactly how pedro pascal plays the uh you know plays the line yep please yeah because he because he does a couple of times because as a matter of fact he, even when we find out last last episode he did a couple of times like and, and the baby was and, and Gregory was like what what you want what you want <laughs> pretty much so, but anyway so they're so they're so they're making their way to tython and you know uh, they're playing together and and poor jim's like yeah i'm you know i got this task i'm you know i, I gotta get you back to some jedi so to you to, to find your people this is what we're doing this for like it's almost as like he's trying to psych himself out and, and like, knowing you know like knowing at some point we're going to um we're going to part ways but you can also kind of tell it's like yeah he's going to miss him even if that do- actually ever does does happen like even their little interaction kind of tells all of that uh but anyway you know they 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 do that whole whole bit and then they make it to tython um where where Jen's like, well, I can't land on this thing because it's too small. Because it's you know the place they're trying to get to is on the hill, and we gotta. He basically says like, we gotta go the rest of the way with the windows down. And I was like, what does he mean by that? And I was like, oh right, <laughs> bust out the jetpack, and you can see you know uh, Grogu's like, wee, you know, <laughs> as as they're flying uh, to the to the top of the mountain. So they make it up there, and on top of that, it's like this big half stone, half round stone thing, and uh, almost like a um. Um, a bunch of pillars, almost like um, the place that I'm thinking of that you 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 know what I'm talking about. Not necessarily, but it's a bunch of pillars set up in a certain way, and and is and is uh in a, in a a stone in the middle. So he puts the baby. Oh, it, oh, huh? I was about to say, I don't know if you watched the uh, um, watched the show with captioning on, but they I call did. it a hinge, like Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge. Thank you. That's what I was thinking of. But right. no, I. I did that's have it I, on. I that's where you were going. Yes. I was like, they actually call it a hinge. Like, they're like, oh, he's up there at the hinge. I'm like, oh, okay. I so, just so, learned something new. I was that days old, that 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 many <laughs> years old, finally understanding that, you know, that kind of a formation is a hinge. Right. Okay. So, so here's the, okay, so here's the thing, speaking of captions. So, yes, I usually watch stuff like that with captions on, whether I have the sound, you know, obviously, whether I can, you know, whether I'm. Uh, watching like anime or just regular stuff just for whatever reason uh sometimes and people know this already sometimes the captions uh especially for like disney plus hbo all of them kind of uh, mess up after a while what really they worked at first but then some reason stopped working 
So you kind of have to, it, it happens sometimes because I know it's happened to, to a few people. So sometimes you just have to back out of it and then it's restarted again. And it just, you know, it, it, so little tip if you don't, if you don't know, but if you have, if you, if you're like me and do captions on, but that's kind of thing that happened. And I didn't recognize until like after that point, it was like, oh wait, captions were messed up. The caption feed, you know, what's funny is that the caption, it seems like you, you're saying that the caption feed sometimes has to catch up. In my experience, it seems like the caption feed spoils what's about to happen if there's a reveal. Sometimes. So every once in a while, I try not to look at the captions, you know, um, and keep my focus on this on the rest of the screen to see what's happening. Yeah. Well, to, so. be, to be fair, though, uh, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen. Well, there's been a couple of times where, yeah, that does happen. It's like somebody's name pops up who's not necessarily in the shot already or something like that happens. Yeah. But exactly. yeah. So, but, uh, but, but getting back to, uh, the, you know, the recap of the episode, right. you know, we, as Roddy Cat mentioned, we have um, uh, uh, Dinger in AKA Mando, um, you know, flying down with, uh, with, with baby Grogu um, in his arms you know he's using his uh, his jetpack after having landed um, the, uh, the Razor Crest some some distance away. You know wherever he was able to land it, probably at the bottom and, of the mountain. But and get to you know like I said, wherever he had to land it, someplace safe, someplace flat. And <laughs> wasn't I, safe for that, long, right? Exactly. I say that you know I say that with quotes: safe mm-hmm. and flat. Definitely flat. Definitely right? flat. So uh, so so. Mando and, and and baby Grogu are flying up to the top of the mountain and to what was it the Seeking Stone? What did yes, they call it? The Seeking Stone, yeah. Seeking Stone, thank you. Mm-hmm. To up to the Seeking Stone at the top of the mountain, and uh, what follows is a great little uh, not dialogue, but definitely uh, some some. It was a nice bit from Mando, right? Yeah, from Mando saying, "Well, you know, do something." Yeah, it's like, I, yeah, he's like, you're supposed to, I'm supposed to get you here, and you're supposed to know how to how to make the rest of this work. So, you know, do your thing. <laughs> but uh, at that point, just as uh, Grogu is kind of figuring out that, you know, he probably is at this point figuring out what he has to do. Right. Just at that point, another ship comes flying in, and it's recognizable to the vast majority of Star Wars fans. Absolutely. And before you say that, before you say what it is, but yeah, so so Grogu was kind of fixated on a on a little butterfly before before that happens, and then, yeah, that's when he starts coming to, like, well, I guess he's got to figure out what's, what's going on, and then that's when that happens, where... I was about to say, it kind of helped. You know what? I, I, well, I originally thought that the butterfly was part of his arrival. Thought so too, uh, I did yeah. not think... That was uh, an accident. I thought that, you know, uh, uh, a child of presumably the light side of the force um, uh, sitting on a seeing stone like this would have, you know, not, you know, not, it's not exactly the Mirai like uh, like Ahsoka, but it's something similar where um, uh, uh, an animal comes and kind of greets him while he's on the seeing stone. Right. So, I think there might have been another message there, but it was something that kind of helps center him. Right. It was just mm-hmm. an instant. And just as Roddy Cat said, uh, that happens just as the ship appears and flies through. And as I said, it's recognizable. It is distinct. And if, if anything, I definitely give Star Wars tons of credit for its design of spaceships that have become so recognizable to even the casual fan. 
Mm-hmm. They may not know the names, but they'll know who is flying them. So right. once you see the ship, you know exactly who is flying it. Right. And it's like, so the thing that, before we even mention it, is like, well, actually, we'll go ahead and get to it. So basically, um, we see Slave One, Boba Fett's ship, uh, come flying into the scene. And, uh, you know, Mando sees this and, like, I don't know who this is. Um, kid, if you're going to do something, you know, you better do it now while I go see what's going on. Uh, so we see the Slave One land and we see. Actually, we do. Do we see him get out? I think we do see. We see figures get out of the ship. We don't know if it's actually him or not until they show up in a little bit. Um, so, so Jen's like, "All right, kid, do what you got to do." And you know, I, I'm gonna go check this out. Just stay put. Um, and I think he does. Yeah, I think the force field, the 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 the, the actual force field that is um, at this time starts to come around. You know the. Grogu, uh, and he starts meditating, and the the Jedi call, the Jedi time space uh, call goes out, right? Um, and he's in a trance doing that while Jen's going to check this out, because I think he does get he he does see it before, see it start off before um, it happens, which seems like how this uh, episode ends up going as we'll get to find out, because it's like okay, a couple of seconds later, and then a thing happens or doesn't happen. Right, right, right. Um, All right, so just as you said, you know, he sees that people are getting out and he tries to go through the force energy field and he can't get through because he's not familiar with the ways of the force. Right. So he basically, if I'm not mistaken, he says, all right, you know, I'll, I'll cover you yes. while you're doing this. And what does he do? What does he do? I feel like Uncle Roger. Shout out to Uncle Roger. What does he do? <laughs> He surrenders the high ground. Someone didn't watch Revenge of the Sith. He <laughs> surrenders the high ground. What are you doing? Yeah, it 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But as we come to find out, it's 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 in service of what's going on here. So yeah, so he goes down, checks it out. He runs into, uh, you know, he runs into one Tamira Morrison, aka. Boba Fett, um, in not necessarily obviously not in armor because 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 uh, Mando's got his armor, um, which actually I'll go ahead and say it now kind of brings up something because it's like how was he? Well, we know he's been following since um, since um, Navarro, or since um, since um, not Navarro since um, well he could have been also, but because um, Navarro's where he got the armor. So I guess that, so what I just said was right actually. So, cause we did see come shadows of him, you know, uh, in the last couple of episodes. So, uh, so we know that he's been tracking him from Navarro to uh Tatooine, you know, X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Um, so, and we know if we know anything about Boba Fett outside outside of his bounty hunting skills, which we will, you know, his fighting skills, which we will get a little bit of in a second, we know he's uh, pretty good at, at tracking folks, uh, especially when they're in whether they're in space debris and not being seen <laughs> or not. So it's not it doesn't you know it stands the reason you know why we know he would be able to track and not being seen. Anyway, so they you know they have a little standoff for a second but then we come to find out that uh boba fett is not alone when 
we found out that uh, he has basically a sniper on the rooftop, or in this case, on another mountain, uh, barrel down. You mean down. the high ground? He's got yes, a sniper. The high ground. <laughs> yes, the high ground that 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 Din gives up uh, belongs. Well, not doesn't belong, but uh, someone else is taking that spot because they are uh, not necessarily covering Mando, but they're covering Baby Go Grogu right. uh, because you know uh, this little standoff is going on. It's like, look, I got my I got my person up on the on the rooftop, and uh, you uh, so you might not want to you might want to lay down. This is the thing that gets me. Lay down your jetpack, not your not your guns, not any other armaments. Lay down the jetpack, which I get why, because it's like, yeah, I don't want you to, you know, you wouldn't want them to be able to fly back up, you know. It's the one I was about to say. It's really the one thing that he's got over them at that time since Boba Fett lacks his armor at this point. So, right. um, I I understood it, and I definitely understood it as we've been saying. Uh, over the course of this episode, uh, I understood that it was in service of the plot. So, but, but also he wouldn't have been able to get back up to to Grogu by the time she got a shot off. So it. it the was other thing about irrelevant. that though, before Vaughn, mm-hmm. is that I thought that uh, she would make mention of the Force energy field, and I kept thinking to myself, I right. don't think that shot's going to get through, lady. Right, and because yes, because by this time that was going on, so I don't know how close attention she's been paying attention, but no one mentioned that. Right, like, I honestly thought that's something that Mando would have would have said. It's like, hey, good luck with that shot. I think he's okay, but right, you know, not the brightest bulb in the pack. But also, yeah, exactly. But also, it was like, well, he didn't know necessarily if the whether that was going to be the case or not. So. That's why I kind of let that part go. I was like, yeah, he he didn't know, and they didn't know either that whether that shot was going to actually get through. More than likely, we know for a fact that it probably wasn't. Right. So, but so, yeah. you know, that being said, you know, at that point, uh, as, as Roddy Cat said, Boba Boba Fett asked uh, Mando Dinjarin to lay down his jetpack so that they can talk, and it finds out that. And 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 Boba Fett reveals that he's really there for his armor. He's not there for the child. Yes, he's there for the armor that uh, Cobb Vanth gave him uh, way back in the first episode, chapter nine, the Marshal. Right, the season two of season two. Right. Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett knew this because, and obviously, since we saw you know a shadow, well, we saw a. a um, I think we saw his legs or something, whatever. But we saw what we figured was Boba Fett or someone. At the end of that episode, you know, it was someone, and then we figured out who it was over the course of seeing his face revealed and seeing that this person who was carrying the um, what are those sticks called? The bantha sticks, or yeah, the are they bantha sticks? Wait, which which ones? You talking about the best uh, the best guy spear or oh the sticks the um that the sand people carry yeah with uh, the cur- bantha sticks I believe. Uh, right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'm going to look that up. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't I think believe that's it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, great, go ahead. Right. If it is great. But I think that's what was teased because it was, you know, someone who had uh, assimilated to uh, sand people life. Right. You know, it's a Tuscan Raider life. So uh, with that, we also find out that the sniper is dun, 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 Fennec Shand, a.k.a. Uh, Fennec Shand, a.k.a. Ming-Na Wen, and uh, the crowd went wild. Yes. 
Although this was also one of those things, it was like, okay, if you're if you watch the beginning of the show and you see the previously on part, and like, okay, you, clearly this has something to do with that. So, and because of what we see, you know, the the coming into it, like the shots being taken, which we are probably led to believe was Boba Fett at the first, but given where they were coming from or what we found out they were coming from and you know the revelation that uh that she was up there on the on the mountain I'm like okay there you go um so yeah so we find this out um and come to find out that yeah uh well i guess yeah because i can't remember if that conversation happened at the time but regardless uh we find out that um you know like I said, both of was fucking tracking them um you know uh finnick shan is there uh, she ends up coming down off the mountain and we come to find out that yeah, Boba Fett saved her. So she's in his, in his debt. And she's also cyber, partly cybernetic because she, she's um, got a cybernetic stomach after her wounds. Very much Terminator-esque. Yeah. Kind of, which, you know, that's, not, that's not, not outside the realm of possibilities. We've seen what happened to Maul and, you know, other, other folks with uh, cybernetics in the Star Wars universe. So, right. Luke, that was very much Luke, Luke pulling yeah. back the panel on his wrist right. and revealing the cybernetics underneath. So that was very reminiscent of that. But just, you know, and literally, everybody, second, yeah. you know, they had to reveal that. So, but, um, but at that point, um, is it at that point when they, when, when, um, uh, when another ship comes in? Once no, they, they still, they still continue to talk. So basically, both of us like, hey, I want my armor, and and uh, Mando's like, you're not getting this armor. This belongs to the Mandalorians, which you know they, which could have been resolved if it, you know, um, well, I guess I understand the way it was resolved. It probably could have been resolved slightly differently, but at the same time, it's like you're not getting this armor. This belongs to the uh, Mandalorians, but Boba obviously does say like, hey, that armor belongs to my dad, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's mine by right. He basically says that. But then shortly after that, that's when we see uh, the couple other ships. Well, the, the first of the two couple of ships come through, which contains uh, stormtroopers. Because obviously we find out that, uh, you know, uh, the Mandalorian has been tracked ever since he got the ship fixed um, in Navarro. So, Goth, uh, Dot Moff Gideon's been tracking them, and they've come from there. So, Stormtrooper lands, f- start fights, uh, fight starts. Uh, Boba, uh, Shand, and uh, and Jen, who still doesn't pick up his uh, jetpack at this time, by the way, which was not but five feet away, right? Um, which has also armaments on it. They start to fight and, you know, people get pinned down. Uh, Fennec somehow makes it back to some high ground. Um, uh, while Boba's off, and, you know, Boba starts a really good fight with, um, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, remember that they're still on high ground in relation to the stormtroopers that have landed. Uh, so I don't think so. Cause if they landed next to, no, but you can see them going up the right. mountain, like the base of the mountain. So, so maybe you know, it went up a little bit more. I got you. Okay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't, you know, like it wasn't that, like, you know, at the end of the day, they were still defending the higher ground right, um, right. against the stormtroopers. But I'm sorry to, you know, uh, that you no, no. had a, a thought. No, 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 no. That's good. Yeah, that was a good point because because that kind of plays out during the rest of the the parts of the rest of the episode. So, fight stars, stormtroopers come along. Uh, 
you know, then doing this thing, Boba Fett goes buck wild, um, which I love that part because, you know, so the one thing about Boba Fett classic is like, yeah, Boba Fett's like this awesome body hunter and he's this and that and he's badass, but we never, we rarely ever have gotten seen that even in the Clone Wars. Like we've gotten parts of it, but we also have seen him take bunches of L's. Um, I mean, end of the day all we ever see of boba fett in the animated stuff is when he's a kid right so really don't see too much i mean we see he's a really dastardly evil kid right he, but, yeah he's, he's 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 pretty 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 intelligent for a kid but obviously you know he's a clone of his dad so or quote, right, quote, dad. hunter you know like the famed bounty hunter reputation being formed so we just have to go off of uh, reputation but and of in course this, in the in the movies though we get to see you know you know, he's supposed to be this famed Bonnie Hunter. We'd see a couple of things happen, including the famous rope and, and fire, uh, f- flamethrower trick, which we don't see here, but, you know, we've seen in the past episode. We get shades of that, but even when he gets knocked into the Sonic pit, you know, we only get shades of how badass he could be. Right. But, but in this, this case, we actually do get that. Exactly. We actually get it without his armor for at first because uh, he doesn't have a chance to, you know, the 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 two the two um, uh, Mandalorian types don't necessarily get a chance to hash things out because of the, uh, the landing of the Imperials. Right. So um, as they're trying to uh, fight them off, it's a gaffy stick, a gaffy stick. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the article that we're, that we're using as reference to refresh our memories here. Cause I remember that it wasn't, well, that's his uh, thing, but not the Sam people's one. Yeah. Right, no, but the one with the curved end—that's what—that's what I was thinking of. I know that's right. a sand people weapon, so it's a gaffy stick. Um, so, if- at the end of the day, uh, what we have is uh, Din Djarin going up the hill or up the mountain to get to the Seeing Stone, and we have uh, Fennec Shand and Boba Fett trying to hold off. The Imperials are trying to go up the mountain to get, um, or at least the hill. Wait, it get. is okay. So yeah, the I'm sorry, the the Tuscan Raider was also called a uh, same thing. So you're right, you're yeah, okay. You know how I remember this? It's because it was in the role playing books. That's what <laughs> I, you know, and I laugh about this because um, I was always a sucker for the uh, the weapons and equipment pages. Yes. So I'm literally remembering the graphics and seeing. Um, and seeing the um, the gaffy stick and the curvature, that's how I describe them. Like it's the cur- it's the one with the curved end, and that's how most people would describe it. It's the one with the curved end, and I, you know, I just couldn't remember the name. But thankfully, this article, thanks to space.com, shout out to space.com mm-hmm. for uh, putting that in there. But um, but yeah, no, we actually get a lot of hand to hand combat yeah. uh, between Boba Fett because he's, he still lacks his armor at this point, right. and we get Shan doing lots and lots of sharpshooting. Uh, she's doing her best impre- uh, impression of the sniper from Saving Private Ryan without <laughs> muttering um, prayers and psalms from the Bible. So right. uh, uh, she's literally like knocking, you know, like picking them off. And I yeah. forget that there are that many stormtroopers in a platoon. Right. I mean, also, as, at one point, it almost seems like she's doing some gun cotta because she's just like picking jokers off like right and left. She's like, bloop, bloop. Bloop, 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 bloop. Like she's in, like she's in a, like she's playing Destiny or something. Right. <laughs> so anyway, cut to, um, you know, cut to the fight goes on, and then another ship lands with some more stormtroopers. Um, folks get start to get pinned down. Uh, 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 Boba ends up near the Razor Crest, which he looks over. Which I thought at first I thought it was like, wait, is he 
did he figure out that the fact that um that there's a tracking device on the ship and then it was like oh wait no <laughs> it's like, like well there must be something in there for him clearly so but yeah we get Boba looking at the ship and then we get shots back to Finnick and um uh, uh Mando uh who at this point are are pretty much uh, near each other and uh you know, and the Mando's like, all right, you can go, you know, this is not your fight. This is blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we have a deal and they're kind of doing their, you know, doing their team up thing, uh, at the time. And lo and behold, what happens, uh, right after this is one Boba Fett in, I say most armor. Cause it doesn't look like he had the whole thing in, which the armor was looking kind of, uh, snug there for, um, <laughs> for old Boba. It was- <laughs> I read descriptions of it as dad bod Boba Fett. Yeah. So, you know, he's picked was, up a little weight I, in, his, in, in his years. So, you know. No, the, it was kind of interesting to see. And uh, I, I believe the thing that it was lacking were the thigh pads. Yes. Other than the thigh pads, I think it was mostly complete. I'm not as familiar. I'm not one of those Boba Fett fanboys where, right. you know, I obsessed over the character despite the fact that he had nothing to him for a long time. So he didn't, uh, yeah, he didn't have his jet boots on. Cause obviously they probably would have, they probably would have, um, you know, the, he basically the, the legging part of it, the legs part of it with the, with the, with the, well, I mean, it's did, a jet pack, but he did have the jet pack, but, um, retain something, you know, because he does display a weapon coming from a knee pad, right. but he does, he does not have the plating that goes around the thighs that Mando right. has, and I believe he also has in his first several appearances. So correct, and presumably that, we're led to believe that that's also Beskar, but we don't necessarily know that. I mean, obviously it's Mandalorian, so it's supposed to be, but I, and and his armor has always been painted, so you know, unlike the Mandalorians who just just played up chromed, you know. right? Um. So yeah, so we see Boba Fett in armor, you know. Um, Basically, Wayne Lace to, to a few other folks. Um, and also, um, you know, the, the stormtroopers get to the point where it was like, oh, we can't do this. So we got to, so we get away. And of course, um, in, a, in a slightly amusing uh, scene, you know, you see Boba putting on his little visor thing, targeting visor thing, targets one ship, um, and but shoots on the other, you know, um, and which ends up taking both ships out, and he pretty much turns around to uh, the Mando and Shan was like, "I was aiming for the other ship." Right. <laughs> I'm saying like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, we were looking through the targeting thing. You were not. Right. <laughs> so it was. So it was like, okay, Boba. <laughs> so that being the case, that happens, um, and I believe this is when we get to the real tragedy of the uh episode especially uh, apparently according to um <laughs> some collectors um right well at the end of the day well we have to uh remind folks that at this point mando rejoins the fray but it's at that exact time that grogu ends his call and the force field the force energy field drops Right, because yeah, because Mando goes back up there, checks on him again, like kid, we gotta go, we gotta go, and try to get through again, but he doesn't. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna defend you from here. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to defend you. You know, you stay right there. And then as soon as he leaves, uh, again, like I said, it's just like it's just a, not a comedy. Just uh, five extra seconds later, that's when the force field drop, and and you know, Grogu is all tired, like he gets when he uses the force, and he kind of lays down on the rock, which I'm surprised he didn't roll off, but that's fine, you know. Um, and then. 
uh, this is when, yeah, I believe this is actually when, oh, I'm trying to remember, does the part with the, yeah, this is, so before that, there was a whole thing with a heavy weapon and Fennec Shannon and a boulder, which also was kind of funny, because why didn't they move out the way? Um, and and uh, and even with the heavy blaster, it was like, okay, you got a heavy blaster against a rock, you would think it would either chip away at the rock, you know, it was a big, it was a big rock, but um, you would think it would chip away as it, you know, enough to... Uh, to move, to get it to kind of shift position out of the way or something, or the fool behind the blaster would move. But also, Finnick had a bead on dude before he started taking shots. By the way, she could she could have like taken him out right then and there. But of course, like sometimes if you're playing an FPS, you t- you know you target, you take the shot. You don't know if you're going to take the shot or not, and then they start blasting. That's right. just me thinking about it because I've played enough, you know, FPSs to know that kind of things that happen. So I, I let that one go, but it was still like, okay, you had the shot. You could either take it out. You could have either taken out the gun or the dude. But anyway, she ends up using a boulder to take to take out a bunch of stormtroopers, and including the dude with the heavy blaster, who could have moved out of the way. Had plenty of time to move out of the way, but he was like, no, I'm going to keep blasting. This is going to work. So anyway, all of that said, get back into the way. Um, I think this is when... It happens, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, 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 just um, hold that thought. Okay. Hold the the space.com article that we are referencing tonight also pokes fun at the dad bod that Timuera Morrison <laughs> is sporting because you'd think that someone who is living in a desert, walking with a minimal food supply for many years, may have been lean and mean, but apparently isn't. <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair, I, uh, Uncle o- Uncle Owen was a little was a little you know a little on the plumper side. Well, yeah, but, but 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 to your point though, it still kind of stands. Like you would think that would be the case, but no, nah, there's some there's some plump folk out there in the desert still, apparently. Yeah, but not living the way he was. That's the thing. I mean, know? yeah, there that part true, but still, that's that's <laughs> the real difference. Let's not let's not uh, compare apples and oranges here. <laughs> you know, the life of a moisture farmer is. I mean, obviously, you're not. Um, you're, you, you know, you definitely have to uh, defend yourself. It's not like there's, a, uh, you know, even the marshal. If you know, I mean, there's no marshal at the time. But, uh, but you know, anyway, getting back, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm just like, why are we going down this road? Just because, um, you know, poor Tim Wero Morrison could have hit the, the the treadmill a little bit. I just thought I, I was reading this just now, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, but I mean, look, he's, he's a thick dude, and obviously we've seen him, in, you know, in recent as um, Aquaman and a few other things. So you know, he's he's, he's definitely a little bit, you know, a little bit more of a man than he was. Um, that was the point I was going to get to before this, but we can we can save that for a minute so we can start wrapping this up. You know, Star, some Star Wars announcements too. Did you get that for the news? Uh, um, oh, from that earnings call thing. Um, it'll probably be in that article, I would imagine. Yeah, but we'll get to that in a in a in a, in a few. All we uh, see but, is more. There's some there's some Star Wars stuff too. So. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, the, just to kind of wrap this up a little bit. So basically, there we see a shot as uh, as they're all talking, you know, from a brief uh, respite after you know Boba gets his armor, and we see a shot come down from the sky from uh, a star cruiser, which we know to be from a star cruiser, uh, and it takes out the Razor Crest. Which is, gets blown two bits. Hold on, we have a sound effect for this. Hold on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Poor Razor Crest gets blown to bits, just standing out there by its lonesome. Although it wasn't necessarily about it because, because it swore one of the other ships. But then again, the other two ships that, that had been oh, had right. left already. Yeah. Taken off and been taken out already. So that any jokes online about uh, all the screaming voices of the backers of the Kickstarter, uh, not the Kickstarter, but the, the Hasbro Pulse. So um, I got an article on that. <laughs> so yes that is i do have an article on that we'll get to that in a, in a, in a few yeah apparently there was some pissed off, but long story short apparently there was some pissed, pissed off collectors uh because of this which is weird because we're like okay as many a vehicle in the thing gets either taken out destroyed or whatever in the star wars universe I'm like what it's your your collection's still good and i feel fairly confident there's probably going to be a new razor claw at the end of the season if not then i'd be surprised yeah, Razor Crest, yeah. Razor Crest, excuse me. Yeah, I wonder what I call it Razor Claw. I'm thinking of Harry Potter or something. You were saying? I said, where's the Razor Claw from? Um, I don't know. I'm conflating. Um, um, Razor Claw is something, but I, I feel like I'm conflating like Harry Potter and this or something. Because Raven, <laughs> Ravenclaw, you know. I got you. I got you, I got you. Uh, but I think Razor Claw is from something. I just don't know. I don't remember what it is. But regardless, uh, the Razor Crest gets blown up, and uh, we see some doom, uh, some Death Star, Death Troopers get sent down by Got Moth Gideon from also the same Star Cruiser and starts another fight. They go directly to where uh, the scene, the the the, the hand where Baby Goku is, and uh, they basically retrieve the child and take off um given chase by uh boba in slave slave one but boba was about to shoot him down and, and fennec was like uh well uh mando through fennec was like hey don't hurt the kid because you know you need i want to get back so uh boba you know follows and see where that goes which you find out that the, the star cruiser is there i almost thought he was going to get shot down right then and there because it was like he's being mighty conspicuous um and he was like seemed like almost directly in line of where the laser shot would have come from so i almost was like well shoot he's you know we're about to get slave one taken out too but that doesn't happen uh death troopers make it back into the thing they jet off um uh they 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 um they basically yeah hyperspace out uh, and slave one comes back and picks up the, the rest of the folks um and they basically said they basically enter an agreement it's like hey you know we want to um we basically want to help and we're gonna uh our, our debt's not finished here so as soon as you get the child back um then our debt will be complained so now you know the mandalorian boba fett Phoenix shan are all uh snugged up in slave one going after um well, trying to find out where Moth Gideon's ship going to, and they end up going back to Navarro and seeing one character who is apparently not going anywhere thanks uh, thanks to some whatever, um, even though the shenanigans she's said um, in the last few weeks, you know, lesser folks would have gotten fired for. But regardless, anyway, uh, they go back to Navarro, they meet up with Cara Dune, uh, who is now apparently taken the the uh the sheriff's badge not necessarily the sheriff's badge but the the new republic's um uh marshal's bag bag that she had received from um 
uh, um, a couple of episodes ago, which she wasn't sure she was going to take, but apparently we knew she was going to. Uh, so she's tapped into the the New Republic's network, and but she's also said it was like, well, there's not really much I can do now that I got this badge. And then soon as um, soon as Mando tells her, it's like, hey, they got the kid. She's like, well, okay, <laughs> just this once. I'll pull some string because basically he goes there to try to find out that um, where Moss Gideon's ship was, but to find that out, and she's got to find this one prisoner that we may have seen before. I don't know that he's going to go and bust out of jail so that they can go find Moff Gideon's ship somehow because you know that's kind of how these things go. Uh, and I believe is that it? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, we get uh, another scene uh, in the end. Um, with I think that's it. Wait, that is it, right? Because we basically, yeah, we basically get that. We we uh we get back to Moth. Oh, that's right. The probably the other best part of this. Uh, I totally forgot about this. The other best part of this whole episode, huh? I said I'm laughing for another reason. I'll touch on it as you finish up. Okay, so we cut back to Moth Gideonship where um we see. You know, he's talking and then his his uh his lieutenant tells says something, but then they walk off and go Oh, they basically say, Hey, we got the we got the kid and, and you know whatever. So we go into the, the, the prison area where we start hearing if you watch if you see the um the credits not the credits, but the um the closed captions, you start seeing the captions of some of the noises that are being done, but we don't necessarily hear it until they get close. Come to find out, baby Grogu, Grogu's um, uh, man, yeah, basically man-hand. handling a couple of stormtroopers by the force, just like like y'all not getting close to me, you know, you mess all of us, just bopping them together like two toy, toy soldiers or whatnot, and it is the funniest thing ever. But uh, but uh, Moff Gideon's watching this, like, hold on, wait a minute. So as soon as uh, Grogu gets tired of this, gets tired and is uh, you know, his. You know, uh, which apparently Moff Gideon knew about, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that, that kind of tires you out, huh? So as soon as he gets tired and, and he gets weak enough, then Moff Gideon goes over and talks to him. And then the bastard has has um, has uh, Grogu uh, stunned after waving the Darksaber after him and talking about, nah, you can't play with this. You you might cut something off, but, you know, uh, this and that other. And then he's like, all right, stun him. Baby Grogu gets stunned and shackled. And right. that's pretty much where we left off. Okay, so a couple of notes. Okay. Uh, uh, I enjoy it when, when Roddy Cat is so, so <laughs> passionate about what he wants to describe that he's our version of Luis from Ant Man. You know, oh, it's, a Jesus. Different, it's different. It's different, but it's our version of it. It's your version of Luis <laughs> because I'm literally sitting back, like I'm not getting a, a word in unless I shout and pause and say, "How does this help any of what we're saying of, of what's going on?" It's so, for effect. It's different. What's that? It's for effect. It's so different. It's different, but it's still he, uh, Roddy Cat. You know, when when he gets into one of those roles, he's our I'm version. Sorry, from Ant Man. I just think it's funny. But <laughs> thing I was. Gonna- the other thing I was going to mention is that uh, something that you were just talking about. Um, you know, I'm going to pull some Luis audio for Roddy Cat when he starts doing that next oh, time. Um, <laughs> my cousin, see, he told me this, <laughs> and we used to. But um, um, 
because I just hit Ant-Man in my Marvel rewatch to prepare for binge mode. Mm. But um, so that's why it's very uh, salient in my in my memory. Um, what I was going to mention is you see Grogu. He's drained after using the force uh, to toss around these stormtroopers that have been tasked with guarding him. But he makes one last attempt to try to take the Darksaber from right. um, uh, Moff Gideon. You actually, you can actually see it's probably just Gideon tilting it forward to allow for you know to to imitate the effect. Mm-hmm. But that's what's implied that 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 Grogu puts his hand up to to force grab the dark saber, but he just lacks the strength at that point. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. But yeah, but also, but also like Grogu's hands are not that big. So even if you were going to like, unless he's going to wield it by the force, which. Two, I, would I was like about to say two hand. That's like you know he would use that thing two handed. So yeah, like we get some Yoda action out of this. I'm like, how would he know how to do that? We know he knows how to use the force. Like I don't know, but then again, we know he he's been trained by you know he was at the temple. He got some training, right? So. And he would have seen lightsabers at some point, right? So, but yeah, that was you know there, there was uh, it was a pretty uh, amazing episode directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yes. You know, we have to say that that's, you know, one of the which makes a whole lot of sense. Right. One of the things that I saw in the wake of the episode was all the praise and the thankfulness being heaped upon Robert Rodriguez, both from the fans and the cast online because of how this episode just kept moving and 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 played out so many different plot lines, um, you know, and, and, and wove them together. And also. Uh, and, and part of me was thinking, well, if I did have one problem with it was that uh, he made Mando out to be just a big dipstick. You know, it's like a dimwit. Mm. But, uh, well, I mean, to you be know, fair, he kind of was. It's right. It's hard to blame him. Right. Uh, um, also, but, I believe this episode was written by Favreau, John Favreau. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we can check also the article that. if it doesn't say, but... Um, and, and check the, uh, you know, check the credits for, uh, for the show, but I'm pretty sure this was a Favreau, uh, episode as well. Right. But yeah. So, oh yeah. The thing, the other, the other thing that, uh, before that whole, that, that last part with, uh, with, uh, baby, baby, uh, baby Grogu that, uh, Moth Gideon tells, basically tells a second to give, get word to Dr. Pershing, which I believe was the doctor from, um, the first season, um, you know, and who we've seen recently in a, in a hollow vid that, you know, we'll, we're bringing them. We got. We basically got them back, and we're bringing them in. So, um, and that's pretty much. I think that's where we uh, where we end up. Um, where we end up with this episode, right? So essentially, we have a three episode arc to end this season, mm-hmm. and we, this was the first one. So we have two left. So we will see in several hours. I'm not staying up, but in several hours, you know, in in, in the you know within. I was about to say within like probably 14, 15 hours of this recording, uh, I will have watched uh, chapter 15 or episode seven over lunch and we'll see what happens. Right. And I probably, I feel like, uh, and yeah, I think we've established that um, it's, it's eight episode seasons and unless they pull the okie doke and we don't see, you know, there's a couple of, we didn't see uh, from, whatever listings you would go by I'm, i would I'm, at this point i'm going by uh imdbs excuse me um to where that's pretty much it and as agent seven just said that's probably what we got left but that being said if that's not the case i feel like there's going to be a diversion because sometimes that ends up happening although i doubt that kind of seriously in this case because it does definitely feel like now nah, we're just going to go ahead and do this 
Right. Um, one little note about this episode, um, and uh, I didn't put it in the article in the uh, show notes, but I will just say that um, uh, according to this one other article that I have here, which I might actually put in the clickbait session, uh, Tamara Morrison used Maori spirit and energy, spirit and energy for his Boba Fett role in The Mandalorian. And I thought I remember seeing something about this um, um, uh, recently. And basically, the the article today says that uh, yeah, it's, Tamara Morrison says he used Maori spirit and energy for his Boba role in uh, in the, the Mandalorian when he was speaking to the New York Times. He basically says that um, he wasn't even sure what the Mandalorian was about, but I kind of knew that Jingo and Boba had their own uh, Mandalorian history. And uh, the article just kind of basically goes and says, you know, um, talks about that. And I'll put that in the, in the show notes. And he's talking about, you know, he is Maori himself. And he's uh, he basically says, I come from the Maori nation of New Zealand, the indigenous people. Uh, we're down on the Polynesians. And I wanted to bring that kind of spirit and energy, which we call Warua. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, so I apologize about that. Um, and, of course, he goes on to say he's been trained in this cultural dance called Haka, which we have seen in Waka Man. And he kind of goes on from there. So it's, it's, a, good, it's a good article if, you are, um, if you're interested in that. It will be in the show notes. That being said, that is that for the Mandalorian talk. So we can go and um, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We folks. do so we are to move on into the books of the week, and we're going to start with Strange, Strange Academy, Academy number six. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh, real quickly, this was written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos and colors by Edgar Delgado and. Right up front, this is a potential click of the week for me. Yeah, I can. Uh, I will say a similar thing. Uh, so the real quick notes are: the, so this is basically um, they're still looking for what's this dude's name, Carlos, I believe. Right. It's uh, funny. Uh, uh, hold that thought. I am still having a lot of trouble remembering who everyone's name is, and mm-hmm. I did not appreciate that the cast list was at the end of the book. <laughs> it's weird. Have, they don't. Wanted- they don't really standardize that. It's like sometimes it's at the end of the book, sometimes it's at the beginning. Right, and I wish and there was a time when they were standardized, but right. I think you know for effect or for I don't know for whatever production value that gives. But I did I did not appreciate the fact that it was placed at the end. I'm like, oh damn it! I don't remember any of these kids' names. Right, and I don't and I partially don't remember what some of them do. But part of it is, you know, we're still relatively early on. We're only six issues in, and there are so many characters in this. Yeah. You know. That, um, you know, we're not necessarily focused on a Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Uh, you know? Kinda, but not necessarily at this point. Because uh, well, still, I say that you know, because Emily might be the Harry in this case, right? But we don't also, but we also don't have a Ron and Hermione. You know, we don't have like a trio of central characters. So you know that are kind of grouped off of amongst the rest of the students. I mean, yeah, they don't. I mean, the the closer we would probably come is the the uh, Dormammu Junior, Doyle, uh, and. Um, right right yeah but yeah you're 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 pretty much right about that so but the but it seems like at least the way they started off and and it does keep kind of coming back to it, it was like emily's kind of the the harry the harry in this equation and right. the closest ones to her is like doyle and she's the she's the subject of a prophecy right just like harry. exactly so, just like harry so uh, but so. yeah no we open you know the issue opens with uh with magic and zelma staunton um, doing their their level best to try to trace the tracks of 
um, the lost uh, the lost uh, students because Calvin has been gone for several days, and they un- and they they come to the realization that a rescue party had been formed by some of the other students, and now ten total students are gone. Right, which we get that little bit of information when uh, in, in a couple of pages when uh, Doctor Voodoo's talking about it. But yeah, at first uh, uh, Zelma and Magic are pretty much researching stuff like Agent Seventy said, and they get to a point in it where they they they. The, the trail gets cold, but apparently they figure out something. Um, and then cuts to Dr. Voodoo, who's talking about the situation. And then we get one of the students who ends up coming back, which almost is reminiscent of, um, what was it? Follow the mutants? Where, was it Follow the Mutants or a Mutant Massacre? Where you you see, you know, the ground starts shaking, and then you see this big figure coming up, which was one of the, um, one of the, um, uh, one of the more yeah, Probably. one of the more lights come through. Who was who was and at that point was was dying in this yeah, point. Yeah, the no, kid, yeah. Yep. but it's pretty much yep. the same effect. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it came out. Yeah, it came above ground. He had tunneled through the Morlock tunnels and came above ground at the Xavier at uh, the uh, Matt, uh, what call it? Yeah, Xavier School. Right, right. I, I almost said Xavier Institute. I'm like, what were they calling it back then? Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, it didn't come to the, that until after. Yeah, until when um Xavier, when uh, Magneto take took over, but um. Right. But yeah, so this okay, sorry. Yeah. So that happened like the the, the I was about to say I'm gonna let Luis take over. Stop it. <laughs> um so yeah, the show strokes is though the this uh, the kid who's a frost giant from from Jotunheim, by the way, you know, comes up and is like help friends and then you know it cuts out there, and I believe that's when we get the title. But that doesn't matter regardless, and then we cut back to the kids who are trying to Yeah, we get the credit. Yeah. And we cut back to the kids back in the swamp who are fighting the hollow and trying to hold their own, but they come to a realization that, um, oh wait, their magic's as as good as their magic is, is not as strong because they're not on school grounds. So they, they beat a hasty retreat. Uh, thanks to uh, Toth, I believe his name was, not Toth from, from uh, Avatar. Um, so they try to retreat. Character named Toth in Avatar. Oh, is it the Airbender? Toth. Well, it's Toth uh, with a PH, not TH, oh, like this oh. one is. But yes. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the Airbender. People know Toth. You say you need to watch Airbender. Last uh, Avatar, dude. It's good. So good. Ooh. Toth is so good. <laughs> Toth is really good. Toth is really good. Cut. Anyway, sidetracked. Um. So anyway, well, um, they beat Harry's retreat. Um, come to find out that this is the point where uh. Uh, Zoe's uh, secret is uh, now known because some happens. She gets let in on something by Desi, who's like, "Hey, do you feel that?" You know, who sounds all cryptic, but being that Desi knew uh, Zoe's secret that she's a zombie, um, you know, then that's out of that. So Zoe kind of lets that secret out to pretty much everybody else, and she does some magic thing uh, and turns back into a zombie and does the thing, huh? So the shout, I was about to say shout out and rest in peace to uh, um, the lead singer of the Cranberries, whose name escapes me. But that song was running through my head as uh, Zoe was revealed to be a zombie. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that this reveal came uh, as a result of this particular uh, story turn in the store because it was in uh, the service of her classmates. Right. They. It- running from the hollow right the hollow kind of knew what was going to happen right no but what i was gonna say the the uh whatchamacallit the, the hollow were literally right behind them mm-hmm. because 
one of the uh, I forget which character says, "Not cool, sneaky tree guys. Not cool. Not cool right. at all." They're literally right behind them, and that's when Zoe decides to um, uh, at least ask uh, Desi to hold on to the uh, amulet or 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 a piece of jewelry that uh, that cloaks her zombie state. Right. She essentially conjures uh, zombies to rise from the swamp and uh, go after the hollow. But unfortunately, her efforts uh, are pretty much to no avail. Right. But it held off, uh, held them off long enough for the cavalry to come in in the form of. Uh, well, actually, I take it back. No, not because something that happened before that. Right, right. Not in time, unfortunately. Well, yeah. So. Um, out has something bad happen to him right so basically the the one of the students ends up getting uh getting captured and drained and possibly killed right and we find out that one of the things that is uh talk about uh eponymous right they literally are called the hollow and we kind of find out what they are hollow of they are hollow of magic right they apparently are magical beings that at least to this point, we 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 are uh, informed, and it's inferred that they are absorbing magic from magic, you know, magical beings and magical users. Right. It was implied that there were humans that were seeking out um, magic. Um, I believe when they first, or, or at least when they first showed up, and I believe even in here up until a certain point, but. It doesn't really matter because, um, like I said, after what happens to the student, after Emily tries to to do her best to save him, which uh, you know, good try, but it doesn't. But uh, you know, she doesn't have the the power she needs. Uh, well, actually, she goes a little. She basically goes into an, an overload, kind of. What are her powers exactly? Do, we, do we have magic? Yeah, you know, she's got magic. Yeah, we ge- we generally we generally don't know what. Um, you know what she can do yet because right. if there's one thing that they are doing a good job of is keeping things still very vague right because there are some, right because right, right. there are some of the students who are pretty much specific in their types of magic that they use I think hers is a at this point as far as it is a just a general hey I can do like lightning bolts and this and kind of stuff or whatever the case may be right uh, but like I said she kind of goes into an overload trying to trying to um trying to help her friend out. But then this is when, uh, Dr. Strange, uh, and, and the other folks, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Strange, Zelma, uh, Dr. Voodoo and a couple other people and man thing ends up showing up, uh, to kind of save the day. So, which means that, you know, Dr. Dr. Strange kind of does well between Dr. Voodoo and Dr. Strange, they take care of the hollow, uh, which I assume we probably may or may not see anytime soon. Um, but because of their efforts and uh, the last part of the book is them, you know, seeing about uh, Emily and uh, Doyle, who may or may not be dead. Right, right. Mild spoilers there. Right. I mean, if anyone here, if anyone listening or watching looks at Marvel solicits, unfortunately, Doyle and Doctor Strange are on the cover of the next issue. And it right. looks like Doyle is in a bad way. So right. um, it's already been kind of revealed what, you know, what, what happens at the end of this issue. But uh, apologies for that spoiler before, you know, without ringing the spoiler bell. That's right. There's, but, a, there's a spoiler tag before the, the show even starts. So, you know, it's, it's, it's 
kind of it's implied. Yes, right. Just well, it's not even just, implied. I basically it's basically his hey, spoilers. <laughs> right. But but at the end of the day, we also like to warn people. Oh, for um, sure. We're going as we're going along, just in case they really do want a specific to avoid a specific spoiler. But you know, as I said, uh, the next the next issue is on sale in January, right? So we have uh, some time to wait. But this has proven to be a very fun comic. You know, I think the only downside for myself is that the cast is so big; it's still very very tough to figure out who's who right. and what their names are. So, um, but. Uh, in any event, it's still a very fun book. It is a potential click of the week for me because it did just read very well. I feel like uh, Umberto Ramos is doing a little bit. I mean, he's definitely a gifted artist. Mm-hmm. He's definitely channeling a little bit of uh, Chris Bacalo or Chris Bacalo, uh, just a little bit in terms of the layouts and um, some of the group shots. Mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously he has his own style and uh, and. Um, and much like Bacalo, I think his, the Ramos's, um, uh, style, at least at this point is well served in this kind of book, in this kind of setting, yeah, whereas okay. seeing him doing Spidey in a cityscape maybe isn't the, the best use of his talents. So this is, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful book to look at and it's well written. And as I said earlier, at this point, we still haven't. You know, and maybe that's a, a focus of the book. They're not focusing on like three central characters, right? You know, this is like this is pretty much a class full of kids. You know, a, right. a you know, well, yeah, a group of a class full of kids uh, that we're getting to see here. But we do have a "quote unquote" main ish type person, a almost ringleader type person uh, right. in Emily. Um, and I will say that. Um, it, so yeah, while. Well, what we've said might be a spoiler. It might not. Is also as things tend to happen in the Marvel universe, things are not not always what they seem. So it might sure. look when there's involved exactly. So it might look uh, as bad as as we've seen before. It's like, well, we've seen people, especially recently, we've seen people who are supposedly dead, but not really are dead. You know, so we don't know. So, it could be a spoiler either way, but you know, it's but you know, it's it's a, it's a cliffhanger nonetheless. Uh, but I was going to say about uh, R- 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 Ramos's art is like, and I think we've said it before, is like he's kind of slightly channeling um, Scotty Young also in it. Also. So the so, so the Bacala thing is definitely noted, but also you can see you know touches of um, uh, Scotty Young uh, in the in the depictions. So it, and it, as you said, it definitely does serve the book quite well. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's not something like I said, uh, like I was saying earlier. I've seen Umberto Ramos's out art in a million things. He's had runs on Avengers. He's had runs on uh, Spider Man, extensive runs on Spider Man. But seeing his art here in a, a ma- you know, in a swamp with magic users, it's really, really, uh, you know, it really stands out much more so than it did before. So. But um, but I think that wraps our discussion on Strange Academy. How about Very we much. move to, uh, as I discussed earlier, the other book that's in the S part of the alphabet, and that being one of the number one issues this week, the number you know the premiere issues this week, number one. Um, mm. That's what I when I say the number one issue, Sword number one coming straight out of the events of uh, both Empire. <laughs> 
uh, and kind of Ten of Swords as well. Right. So, yeah, so we're getting into the X corner of uh, of the thing, and there's only a couple of books, I guess, if you want to count Juggernaut, which I don't think you you, know, you kind of can, kind of can't. But regardless, so I don't know. Wait, so did you read Sword first before you read Marauders? Um... No, I think I read Marauders first. I did the same thing, yeah. Which, it kind of doesn't matter, but the checklist at the back has Sword before Marauders, and they don't really tie in each other, but it was a curiosity. So, anyway, yeah, Sword number one, we see, you know, the peak is online. Uh, Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Do do your your thing thing. We gotta, we gotta, you know, we're we're doing our best to try to inform people of the creative team so that they can understand who is contributing to these comic books that we are talking about, and maybe keep up with creators who, you know, do their level best to, uh, you know, advertise themselves. But it helps that you know we shout them out when you know it helps when we shout them out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Al Ewing, it's art. It has art by Valerio Skidi and colors by Marte Gracia, and this for me is also a potential click of the week. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, Abu, we see um, Abigail Brand, who's uh, the the head of the sword, which practically put pretty 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 much puts her back in the same a similar position that she was in well back in the past because she was the head of um, she was in charge of the peak way back in the day, and I think some of that gets gets uh, brought up in here. But also as uh, second in charge of Apple Flight uh, Alpha Flight. Uh, which also comes up in the the course of this issue. Um, technically, she kind of was, even though even though uh, Ms. Um, Carol Danvers wasn't in charge. Gabriel Brand was pretty much doing everything. Um, but anyway, peak is online. We get um, you know we get to see some of the the players of of the book um, during the course of this. Magneto comes uh, at the behest of the council to check out the place, but also to help them move uh, the peak into synchronous orbit with Gakoa, which also they don't say, I, I so this is the only part before I go any further that was kind of weird to me uh, at the end of um, um, 10 of swords, we see the peak pretty much halfway in between the earth and other world uh by way of magic and that that being uh iana rasputin magic not magic magic which i guess mm-hmm. same difference but regardless uh i we assume at this point i thought at that point that it was just stuck there like that but then again oh, that they put it back into the actual earth space exactly right? put it back into earth space so it's just assumed that at some point in between that they did it and they backed it out yeah right and and it's something that roddy cat will probably touch on but if there's one underlying conflict here, it's uh, Abigail Brand's uh, the the purpose that she thinks Sword should have, and the purpose that uh, Krakoa thinks short, Sword should have. Right. So yeah, so we get so basically, um, yeah, like I said, um, Magneto comes on board. Uh, he gets greeted by Cable, who apparently has a position as chief of security on here. So it's almost like Deep Space Nine. It's kind of fun. Um, and I don't know if that's what uh, Al Ewan was going for, or maybe I'm just picking that out as projecting. But regardless, uh, there's a tour of the ship, and we get to see a bunch of people uh, that is involved. We we also get to see the you know the um, the page um, in the beginning of everybody who's going to show up in this and what roles that they have. Um, and let me 
tell you, this is the first time we've seen a lot of those names. <laughs> yeah. Long, long time. And that comes up during the issue. Yep. Uh, yep. Including, and as a matter of fact, I'm just going to cut right to it. So uh, one of them happens to be um, Takeshi, I can't remember his last name, Wizkid from Fallen Angels. Right. Um, oh, my gosh. What a, what a what a what a flashback, and right? it gets and it gets better or worse. Oh yeah, yeah, pretty much. So we can see him, we see his role in things, and he's kind of he's grown up now, obviously, but you know he's still he's in um prof- a an offshoot of Professor X's uh, hover chair, uh, notably. Um, but we you know the, but uh, Magneto and he talk, and you know as Abigail Brand pretty much taking him on the tour, and we get to see some other people such as. Um, and we also get, uh, you know, the six, uh, who, you know, we get data pages on during the course of this also, but we also see people like Fabian Cortez. Right. And if you don't remember who Fabian Cortez is, he was one of the fanatics who started the Acolytes way back in X-Men number one by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. And apparently still is. Of all time. Right. Um, and apparently still is, but which is the funniest, uh, probably one of the funniest, the, one of the two funniest uh, interactions in this book. Um, Absolutely. Because as we're going through this, like they, the um, you know, Abigail Brand taking them, and they meet up with uh, Fabian Cortez, who's like, "Oh, my lord, uh, Magneto, you know, we, everything's beginning, but I wanted to do, and I got some things that I want to bring to the council." And Magneto's like, "I don't know who this person. Is. I vaguely remember this person, but I remember the ponytail <laughs> because obviously, I think if I'm not mistaken, Fabian Cortez tried to overthrow uh, Magneto at one point in history. And, as, or, and if you've seen um, uh, the animated series, that gets played out in a, in a, in a slightly different way, but." But yes, right. so that interaction is like, uh, yeah, okay. And and Ab- even Abigail Brand's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, we didn't exactly have a lot of people for this for this position, so right, you know, sh- you know, uh, short notice. We kind of needed his help, so right. But yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. I mean, we we honestly, there is one, uh, one uh, slot in the operational tree. That is yes. empty. That's the psionic analysis uh, anal- analyst. That is the psionic an- analyst. So right. there is likely going to be one additional character added to this team. And although be- it's that the security director, whose cable is one of the most powerful telepaths out there, right. that you would need a, another psionic analyst for this the space station. But and I believe I guess one of the data pa- the data pages kind of bear that out because they do say it was like yeah, outside of um um um. Um, manifolds uh, position, they have pretty much backup positions for mostly everybody else. It, and well, with the exception, because I think uh, the WizKids also doesn't have a backup position because they don't have his team listed either. It's, no, I was going to say the 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 one person that doesn't have the other person that doesn't have a backup is Cortez. Right. Uh, WizKids backup is Forge. So. Oh right, but I mean he doesn't have a team though. Right, but but yeah, uh, that's that's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that before you go on into the 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 the, the gist of the book, the, the 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 main thrust of the story. Uh, it's implied that uh, we're going to have some rotation in uh, of the folks in this book, right. uh, as um, you know, uh, members of the team want to get off the space station. We'll see other people come on as um, you know to supplement the staff of sword. So mm-hmm. the staffing of sword. So. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting ride, and I I, uh, I hesitate to say that this is going to be another Al Ewing hit. Uh, I wasn't that into U.S. Avengers 
um, you know, I was a uh, I was a, a fan of the main Avengers books, but I think that Ewing has definitely uh, tapped into something really cool, like a really great concept here. And we're going to go into the in a moment into that in a moment. But there is a really great concept to this book. And it's one of those things that makes this book greater than the sum of the characters involved, mm-hmm. because this is. This is uh, definitely B and C list or D or E or F list mutants, uh, uh, the, the, the vast majority of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is not going to be one of those books that's that's uh, led by like a lead uh, mutant character. Maybe maybe well, sometimes it will be. But I think brand. It, no, but I think it will be much more, you know, uh, uh, an example of where a comic is greater than the sum of the characters in it. So that's my hope, at least. Maybe. So on that on that note, um, really quickly, I was going to say, like, you as Avengers, I don't necessarily get that from this. Not, and I know that's not what you're saying, but because exactly. you as Avengers was, yeah. I, I interpret it as a spinoff. That's that's what I mean. Well, yeah. Um, because, and obviously, and, well, not obviously, but you as Avengers was a little bit more, definitely lighter and more uh, wackier, I guess, in, in some respects than this is. I feel like I, just like I probably said earlier, might have been before the show. Like, this feels more like, well, I didn't mention that, but uh, this feels more like um, Deep Space Nine, which I did say in the show, but also... Uh, a spin-off. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, hell, all of them are spin-offs at some point in the time. Uh, but, uh, um, but also, Al Ewing's run on Ultimates. Not necessarily in, you know, the, the cast of the characters, but in it's seemingly scope. kind of the mission that right. they're upon. The yeah, the scope of the story. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we've seen in, in this particular uh, issue that we've seen shades of that, and I'm, I'm all here for it because I like the... I love Al Ewing as a writer, just period. And like, there's not much that he's done that hasn't been good to me, including uh, U.S. Avengers. But... And he also has another book out this week, by the way, uh, that we'll talk about in a second. But... um just to kind of wrap this this issue up, like I said, uh, we see some other people, including Frenzy. I don't know too much about, but apparently she she may have was she another acolyte, I guess, because she even mentions like, yeah, damn, she, I nearly um, worshipped Magneto when she when she met up with him. Right, she was introduced, I believe, in the pages of X Factor. Okay, uh, she was among one of the uh, you know not not like a, a serious bad guy, but definitely uh, among the bad guys of the original X Factor when they came out. But uh, she, I believe, became uh, an acolyte, you know, a, con- a convert uh, over the course of um, uh, the run of the acolytes. So, but um, but yeah, I mean, the, the crux of this issue is really an introduction to Sword and its purpose. Mm-hmm. And Magneto is essentially there as an emissary of uh, the Quiet Council from Krakoa, and he's taken on tour and intro- and by him being introduced to all these characters, we are as well mm-hmm. and we're reintroduced to them and literally being reintroduced to someone like Fabian Cortez, as Roddy Cap mentioned, and also being <laughs> reintroduced to Peeper. Peepers. Yes. And there was a, like a, a legitimately heartwarming exchange and sequence. And I didn't, I, I, I it makes me want to research their relationship, like how they, connected at some point right because the way ewing wrote their connection was so just warm it was like i don't believe it peeper well <laughs> like, i i figure it like this because obviously you know 
uh, Cortez being the fanatic that he was and, you know, Magneto's history with him being, you know, is pretty, pretty clear. Um, I almost felt it was kind of the pretty much the the opposite of that because wherein you know it was like all right yeah Cortez yada yada brown nose and this and that Peeper is just like Peeper is Peeper is just like yeah I'm uh, even the way he talks is like yeah I'm just, just some dude he's almost like um, Gorilla Man in um, uh, in in a sense in the way he talks. Cause he's just like, you know, just street level normal guy. But he's like, yeah, you know, they got me over, they got me working over here with these other people. And you know, they, you know, they need the eyes and that's another. And yeah, Magneto's exchange with him is, is pretty great. And even Cor- uh, Fabian Cortez is like, what is going on here? This <laughs> is like, wait, what really? <laughs> it was completely out of nowhere. And this is where that reference that you were making before about the other person in analysis. Comes right. Up. Right. And, uh, and people, and people's also just like Fabi Corsa is kind of says like, yeah, I got some stuff to, to bring up to the co-ed council. If you, if you got time to be and it was like, yeah, man, you know, anytime we got to talk again and you know, this and that and the other, I was like, huh, that's, that was, that part was fun. Neat to me. I enjoyed that so much. Um, especially, especially in relation to the, uh, the, the, the Fabian Cortez stuff. So anyway, um, and then I think it's somewhere in here we get the data pages talking about the, you know, the, the makeup of the six and how that flows. And, and before we end up seeing Manifold come back into play, who's um, the head of all the teleporters, we see Gateway still around and we see some of the other teleporters that they, uh, that they uh, bring back into the fold, but they don't necessarily name, oh, they name in the data pages, but not necessarily, you know. Yeah, exactly. They don't, you know, and what's, what's unfortunate is that a lot of these characters have uh, led stories before. Right. Some of them have led books before, like Blink. Right. You know, Lila Cheney is he Cheney is here, mm-hmm. but uh, they are all um, they are all uh, used as part of. And I don't know if you mentioned this just yet, but they are all used as part of a new form of mutant technology. Now, yeah, we were getting to that point. Um, there was one thing I was going to mention, and I think I just probably just forgot what it was. But oh no, the, so there was a mention in the one of the databases, like we were going back to what we were saying a little, uh, a little minute ago about people or what you were saying a little bit about people to kind of come into gore and they made mention of like yeah just in case you know somebody gets hurt and, or can't do the job for some right reason that that this is why these people this is why these people got back up just like uh the five uh back in krakoa if you know for the resurrection protocols like yeah it's like they have basically have backups for these people to come into which kind of tells me is like okay like you were saying, like, yeah, people are going to be coming and going probably for that reason. Somebody's going to get hurt or something and they have to, uh, this is going to come up at some point. Right. So that being said, uh, yeah. Uh, again, we get data pages where the, the five is, is compared to the fastball special, which I thought was cool. And then we start and oh, oh, and we forgot about that part where Scarlet Witch gets brought up. Yes. Um, which I mean, that's they're also- going to have to, they, they got to address that at some point. Right. That's also part of what I was saying earlier about there is an underlying conflict for right. Abigail Brand to deal with, which is and, – and it's something that does come up uh, because um, she obviously complains about what happened to Alpha Flight mm-hmm. and the original kind of sword uh, uh, branch of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, she complains that – uh, you know, the, the, the world governments got in the way, the, the funding cuts got, you know, the, 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 the cuts in the funding got in the way. Superheroes weren't really put to keep them in the loop. What's that? Superheroes oh, weren't right. keeping them in the, the loop. Super, right. And the superheroes not keeping them, keeping, uh, uh, alpha flight, uh, and sword, the original sword in the loop, you know, uh, 
kind of undermined everything that she was trying to do, which was be the Earth's defense and connection and communication hub to, uh, you know, and defense from the, you know, outer space, from, from, from everything out, from everything coming towards Earth. So uh, what she has is that initial idealistic intent, but Krakoa has its own intent and that is something that is revealed in the latter half of this issue right and, and has to reconcile that in addition to uh the, you know uh, in addition to what you were just re- uh, referring to which is trying to uh figure out a way to um uh i guess uh, not broker peace but definitely you know be ambassadors for both earth and krakoa right you know because, because what she what she's saying is look you're still on earth you're still earthlings you're still you know you may be mutants but you still reside on earth so we are uh an arm of uh, an arm of representation of the earth so uh we should act like that and that's where um the connection to empire comes in and um, when I say that, what I'm referring to specifically is the relationship of um, the consort, the head magician of the well, United yeah. Kree Scroll Empire. Hulkling's uh, uh, yes, Hulkling's Hulk husband Wiccan, who is the right. son of Scarlet Witch, or quote unquote what, son of Scarlet Witch. Right. What I was going to say is the mother-in-law of the king. Right. The um, of the United of the United uh, Empire. Right, and this is and this is pretty much where the the um, the Deep Space Nine comparison for me kind of comes in because Abigail Brand's like, look, y'all y'all are thinking in Earth terms, and she's a space. She's got to think of in broader terms. So, so yeah, she's trying to basically be like, this is Sword, but also you know we got ambassadors here, uh, just like the Alpha Flight Station should have for extraterrestrial, um, you know, uh, um business you know with with other races and she kind of breaks down you know it's like hey the snark war is out there and she also says to kind of mentions the king and black stuff um offhand it's like yeah there's other stuff going on out there that you know we need to get ahead of and 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 uh you know have some part of so this is because this is kind of where the whole deep space nine kind of comes in it for me and i'm like okay i'm i'm cool with all of this okay um uh but then we get into the mission at hand to where the the teleporters do with they they go through their motions and like uh, agent 70 just said it's like yeah we also get them talking about how um uh the five are like mutant mutant technology uh, yeah the five, exactly the five and then the, the six. six yeah and how that all works together, and like I said, the the whole mention of the fastball special and being one part of that, and all this, and going into the data pages, all will bear this out. But then we get into the mission where the teleporters, uh, and this is a thing to to Al, Al Ewing's credit, and the art is great in this, even though it gets a little weird uh, because we don't necessarily know what is going on, but we just see some things happening. Like the teleporters start their whole business, they go in almost like a Stargate kind of situation. Like they go through, get this thing and then come back out. And, you know, um, I guess that was the mission to go in and get whatever this item was uh, and to bring it back. I don't know what that item is. It's implied. I read an article after I read this because I was confused. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I read an article, I believe it was on CBR, that uh, it's implied that this is what is uh, what this issue is titled after, entitled after, which is uh, you know the the title is taken from this, which is Mysterium. We don't know, and I looked up what Mysterium would be. It's actually a character in in um, in the six one six, but I don't think that's what they're referring to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is supposed to be a new element. I don't know if this is supposed to be um, something that is um, mystical in nature or not. But we'll you know we'll see. Some but I really like titanium. What's that? Some sort of unobtainium. Something like that. What I was going to say is what I really liked was the sequence. It was all in the sequencing. Mm-hmm. It was all about how they get there, about their struggles with um, what uh, Eden um, Manifold sees. You know, she, you know, like uh, it's weird seeing Manifold like kind of fluctuate between like a central character and being uh, not a not not a secondary character, but he's sort of in between at this point. Right. I mean, they basically he comes in when they need a teleporter. Like the same thing happened when in the Avengers back in uh, the Infinity Days and whatnot, and and even in you know uh, the last couple, the last volume of uh, Black Panther, last two volumes of Black Panther. Right, but it's nice to see that he's probably going to be one of the lead characters in this as like the head teleporter, mm-hmm. as probably the most one of the most powerful teleporters. I don't want to say the most, but considering that he's the one that can go, you know, intergalactic, right? In some or more short range and some of them are like medium range and some of them go into depths of hell like magic right so it's kind of you know they're all they all have and that's all explained as Roddy Cab mentioned in the data pages and those are invaluable invaluable in this issue totally. I believe Al Ewing does an excellent job of laying out what he is getting at here and you know what he's building on and building upon with the with the concept of mutant technology and these circuits that uh, these uh, mutants that with uh, powers that can supplement and enhance other powers to do things that they couldn't do on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about teamwork. Which is right? the reason, yeah, right? Which is the reason why uh, Fabi Cortez is there. D- the same as I believe is it Hope for the the five that does the same a similar thing. Well, yeah, I mean, but yeah, and also, you know, there's people like Armor, right. like Hisako is there to provide protection for the people who are teleporting. Right, and link, and link everybody together, yeah. Exactly, there is, you know, there there are a ton of safeguards and, and, and whatnot put into place, but they still have a pretty rough uh, first mission. But it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting start to this series, and I am definitely going to go track down a copy of this issue for myself. Right. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Right. To to this credit and to um, Hickman's credit as a whole, uh, honestly, with the whole uh, Dawn of X and X stuff, like the 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 whole thing with the five and having all of their powers like work together in a certain way to bring to to make a natural uh, reason for uh, uh, um, resurrection is just dope because anytime in the past like i said we've had like oh no they're just back for some stupid reason but this is just gives a grounded quote-unquote grounded enough reason as to why this stuff happens the same thing is happening here with the teleporters uh with the six and, you know like i said I, I, I like the thing i don't know if if um hickman has anything to do with this probably maybe had some kind of lay some groundwork and and you know uh you and kind of hashed out how things were going to flow in this we don't know you know, because, you know, being Hickman being the shepherd of the whole Dawn of X and this whole uh, X thing in the first place, you, know, you got to feel that like some of that's probably coming off of him. We just don't know how much. 
you know, because obviously the other creatives, like uh, um, you know, the other creatives have definitely given uh, extensive, uh, um, you know, uh, hands in the books, you know, as far right. as things for certain characters go. So, uh, I would expect this not to be any different with Al Ewing. But that being said, like I said, yeah, Patricia Clark of the Wayford Sword, I think that was pretty much it for that one. Um, I'm curious to where this is going to go. I do hope it does kind of keep up the whole Deep Space Nine thing. Um, and that's just a personal, because I just love Deep Space Nine, and if any of that gets channeled in the X-Verse, I'm, I'm down with it. So, but we'll see. Uh, what book do you got from the next? We can do Marauders, and yeah, I've read a lot this week, sure. so we could probably do Rapid Fire probably after this, because yeah. we got a lot to get through. Indeed, indeed. So Marauders number 60, 16. This is um, another potential click of the week for me. Uh, the creative team on this is uh, it's written by Jerry Duggan, art by Stefano Caselli, and colors by Edgar Delgado. Hmm. I'm just going to run through my notes on this one really quick. So Kate and Emma pay a little visit to Sebastian Shaw for a little payback. <laughs> uh, Storm and Lockheed kind of join in on procedures later on. And, and uh, Agent 70 would get a kick out of this last one. Shaw has the honor to be Krakoa's obedient servant. <laughs> Talk about comeuppance, man. Indeed, indeed. They, they, they kind of put him through it, and I loved every, uh, uh, every second of it. Because it was bound to happen, but, you know, um, Ten of Swords kind of came through and kind of put the, put a hold on things. But we knew because of the fact that, you know, uh, Sebastian had, well, Sebastian killed um, uh, Kate and almost killed Lockheed, uh, you know, there was going to be some some payback at some point when, you know, when, when Kate came back and from Emma and Storm and, and, and everybody involved. I do love that one part where uh, Shaw was trying to get away <laughs> and could bust through the window and then like and blob was like oh hey mr shaw and then kitty just drags him back in and just he just kind of scampers off oh right right i was gonna say it's not it's not blob it's glob glob Herman. Herman. yes 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 yeah i was about to say because that those are two distinct characters right. and blob is a totally different character yes right now but i was gonna say there's two distinct ways you could read that because if it was the blob you'd be like hey what's going on but if it's glob Herman, you know he's like oh let me get the hell out of here right and right right <laughs> true so true. But um, but yeah, like literally an eye for an eye, mm. uh, <laughs> and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoyed that. I really liked that. Even though I was definitely shocked when that happened, I was I was a fan of that particular uh, 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 happening. That that particular um, event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also appreciated at the end that uh, the. Uh, and, and you have uh, readers and uh, listeners and viewers have to bear in mind that Sebastian Shaw survives this ordeal, right. makes it back to the a meeting of the Quiet Council, and when there is a vote to find out what uh, what you know to, to to inquire into what happened to Sebastian Shaw, some people vote yes. They want to find out what the hell's going on. It's a stalemate. So, yeah. Some people say no, and to, in my mind, the turning vote, right, would have been Nightcrawler because he is, you know, he's like, well, you know, uh, he's the heart and soul of Krakoa. Right. It's implied that, uh, you know, of all the members of the Quiet Council, he, Council, he is the one that, um, you know, is the, uh, the, the conscience of the Quiet Council. So he votes against, he votes for an inquiry 
but Sebastian Shaw surprisingly doesn't. And obviously that is fodder for more story to follow. But also this also comes after the, uh, after the 10 of swords and you know, what happens near the end where they, the, the choir council is like, look, if you go off and do this uh, rescue mission or whatever you're going to do, you're off the council, which Gene Gray was like, all right, I'm out. Right. Uh, and I think, well, Cy- well, Cyclops was not on the council. He's he's still a captain, so that's 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 part of his irrelevant. But since Jean, since Jean was on the council, that means that a space is open, which is why she didn't vote, which could have been a decided vote if she'd still been there. Right. And they still haven't. There's still a couple of seats they they still haven't uh, filled, regardless. Anyway, so. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's ended up being a stalemate five on five and yeah, definitely Nightcrawler's vote was because he was even like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cause he exactly. wasn't even sure whether he actually wanted to know about it or not. Cause it, you, I, I don't know. This is my impl- implication. He was like, maybe he kind of knew something was going on in the background, but, or, or you know, but kind of staying away from who knows, even knows. If that's the case or not, and that could be just me projecting it. But regardless, it ends up anyway. And like I said, the last word was like Shaw's, as I said, becoming said he's a Krakoa's immediate servant. Servant and um, what uh, Agent Seven had just said. So yeah, I enjoyed th- this whole book. And mind you, uh, going into the that Quiet Council meeting, uh, Shaw is not in the best of shape. Let's just say, pretty because much of what pretty- happens during the, in the issue, which you should definitely check out. Right. He's almost literally a drooling uh, invalid at that point. Mm, almost. Uh, and I have to say that this was also a potential click of the week for me. I read this probably first, mm-hmm. and I was impressed by the ferocity of the comeuppance. So that's <laughs> really what I enjoyed. It was great. I loved every second. Because like we knew it was coming. And we was gonna, I was kind of surprised they didn't just off. Because just, there was a, let's just say, Shaw was given a choice. Um, and part of it that he took neither, but also could have gone another way that was uh, spelled out, and that didn't happen either. Because uh, that was the way I kind of figured it was going to go. If if you think about the part I'm talking about, where they was like, uh, "All right, fine, we could do this, or we could do this," and you're just not going to be heard from in a while. And that part didn't happen either, so that part was kind of a surprise. But the way it, it worked out, we'll see what happens after that. Or exactly. going going forward, exactly, and it also it's, it also served to remind us where Sabretooth has been this whole time. Well, yeah, there is that also. Yeah, it was like yeah, exactly. So, all right, so I think after this we can just do rapid fire. We probably have a lot of books in common. Sure. So I will spin it up. Rapid fire time, folks. I should probably pull a sound effect that yells out fire and then play this one right after. (laughs) All right. So let's start with amazing Spider-Man number 54 written by Nick Spencer pencils by Mark Bagley and inks by John Dell and colors by Edgar Delgado. Ugh, I'm not very happy with the pace of the story or the developments in the instant issue, despite the reveal of some of Kindred's true capabilities. Any thoughts? Yeah, we 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 talked about this a little bit before the show, and it's like, yeah, this is this like the last remains is pretty much almost over. Uh, got like two, three more issues. Well, two two more issues technically to go, I guess, with the the LR and fifty four uh, coming up. And uh, as we've said again, you know, yeah, a lot of stuff could have been folded into actually regular issues instead of being side issues. Even though this is a regular issue, and this seems like it could have been a side issue partially because the way it's dragging. 
Uh, but yeah, definitely Spencer's kind of going for a, a long con here, whether it's worth it or not. <laughs> yeah, we'll, it we'll remains to be out. seen. Yeah. So, but it is starting to, it's starting to linger on a little bit too long. I'm kind of in agreement with a agent seven, a uh, about that. Uh, but they sort of, but basically my note says like Harry puts Peter through hell multiple times and even copies the nightfall move to prove a point. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. And I got uh, a lot of that. Yeah, I did too. I was like, huh. All right. Just did everything but call it out, you know. <laughs> uh, and Peter's loved ones are about to become part of the lesson. Right. So. Okay. Next up is Avengers number 39, written by Jason Aaron with art by Dale Keown. Welcome back to Marvel, Dale Keown. I know he's been doing some of the uh, the maestro covers. Um, Inks by Scott Hanna and colors by Jason Keith. This is one of those 1 million BC Avengers uh, interlude issues because this is uh, the introduction to the or the reintroduction to the phoenix of the 1 million BC Avengers and how she uh, it's her origin basically it's how she comes to essentially assemble the 1 million BC Avengers and how that is going to play into the events of the current day but but first she uh, well yeah I, I basically called her Red Sanja it, that, if you had told me this was kind of Red Sanja's uh, origin story to a point I would have believed it but also this is pretty much 1 million BC Jean Grey that too Definitely. And actually, you might as well go ahead and say one me and BC X-Men during that one part. Oh, yes. I definitely saw that, too. That was a that was an interesting little uh, uh, side, you know, kind of a kind of a, a side story in a sense. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. There were actually, uh, you know, as you said, uh, a group of mutants, essentially, who needed to find a safe place to, to, to live because they were outcasts. Right. Including their They're, own Charles Xavier. Exactly. They even had a, a form of uh, a leader with telepathic abilities and telekinetic abilities to boot. Right. All right. Uh, next up is crossover number two. This is from Image. Um, this is written by Donny Cates with art by Jeff Shaw and D. Cuniff on colors. This is the second issue of this crossover that has been hyped as um, involving characters, uh, possibly involving characters from uh, multiple comic book companies and publishers. Um, I think Roddy Cat is correct in his assessment that uh, we're really only going to get cameos and shadow, uh, you know, kind of um, bits and pieces of characters like their arms. Like in this issue, you see lots of arms and, and shadows. Um, you don't necessarily see full figures. Uh, there are references in this to comic book writers getting killed. Um, it's uh, you know the, the 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 thrust of the story is that superheroes have come into the real world and um, the ramifications of that. Uh, if anyone is interested, it's obviously only the second issue. You you can uh, catch up relatively quickly. Uh, next up, yeah, I was about is to say, it Gar- seems like a kind of a, a last action hero type situation in a sense. Okay, but I don't know. I like I haven't read it yet, but I know you've read a little bit more than you would be able to shed a little bit more light on that if if that were the case. Right. Uh, I don't remember too much of last action hero, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know the the basically the the hero of the movie comes out into the real world, like et cetera, et cetera. That part, you know. Right, 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 right. Well, yeah, and this is and this is more. This is more so. You know, this is literally, uh, uh, um, 
you know, think of just, you know, the cartoon characters uh, popping off the page and popping off screen and jumping into the real world. So um, and then being trapped in a dome. Uh, but you know, there's, there's lots of, uh, moving parts in the story. So, um, for anyone like me, who's really looking for the cameo appearances, um, you're kind of disappointed, but hopefully, uh, you'll also enjoy the story and, uh, and see where these characters are coming from and where they might be going. Um, it's actually written in a pretty interesting way. Uh, so that really is the one thing I think is it's saving grace at the, uh, to this point. Uh, speaking of the other Al Ewing book, we have Guardians of the Galaxy number nine, written by Al Ewing, art by Juan Cabal, and colors by Federico Blee. Uh, this is, spoiler alert, I'm going to ring the bell real quick, just in case you wanted to avoid this. This is the official return of one Peter Jason Quill, otherwise known as Star-Lord. And you know what uh, Korath would say? Who? <laughs> so I have already forgotten that we are nine, you know, like several issues later, I've already forgotten how Peter Quill died. <laughs> I have. Right. I totally forgot. I was like, okay, he's dead. How did he die? You know, like right. he's not Which, in the for, how did he die this time? You know? Right. Which, you know, that that kind of bears out in the course of this because I, the, the 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 thing that basically caused him to die or the thing he's pretty much is bringing back into the universe. Right. Or the or the or I should say the people that are he is bringing back into the universe. Exactly, it's kind of the it's kind of the vehicle that uh, that Ewing uses to uh, to bring uh, uh, Star Lord back to the land of the living. Right, because um, we already see these people uh, in the pages of Guardians, kind of kind of back, if I'm not mistaken. A few, uh, I think, I think we have seen these people, but we did not, not sure. know how they came back. I'm not sure at right. all. But essentially, what 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 we find out is that uh, Quill has been in another reality, you know, some form of heaven. We don't know, or uh, form of the afterlife, or some know. sort of alternate dimension. Maybe I don't. We don't even know. Exactly, we don't know. But ultimately, uh, in the you know, in the in the interest of keeping it brief, what we find out is that uh, his weapon his trusted weapon his element gun which i what i love about uh what i love about what wonka ball does in this issue is that he changes the format of the element gun to reflect the different ways it's been portrayed over the last you know several revamps and incarnations of star lord and the, I, I really appreciated that i was like oh i remember when they when they the, depicted the element gun that way and then right. this is when the movie depiction took over so I really liked that, and they they kind of put into canon that he's uh, had a chance to tinker with it and changed it up and added a few wrinkles to the gun over time to ha- explain away why it's changed its looks over time. Right, and even but, made another one. Yeah, right. But in but uh, but ultimately, what we find out is that it's the element gun that was the key to both um, kind of defeating the Olympian, the reborn Olympian gods, and to bringing them back mm-hmm. and to Peter Quill back. And that's the gist of it without going too deep into the story. I feel like, yeah, as weird as the story was, which uh, there's a weird Flash Flash Gordon type element to the story, uh, which I kind of sort of appreciate it. Uh, you could kind of see it um, if, well, if you are of a certain vintage and know anything about the, the Flash Gordon, especially the movie. Um, you can kind of see it in it. But my notes basically say this is a, the, the official retcon slash origin which not necessarily is less so much of the origin, but you know, uh, the, the official retcon origin, they pretty much piece together, 
um, parts of Peter's origin and, you know, uh, with the element gun in this. But anyway, but who cares? He's dead, right? Um, anyway, over 2011 years, 12 houses, a Marvel reference, which I don't know if you caught that in one of the houses. Uh, and one heck of a flash Gordon trip later, we see how the renewed uh, gods of Olympus and Peter and his new element gun return to King and black, which that was the part of the sad part of this, because at the end of it, yeah, there's definitely, it, it, it gets us back into King and black territory. Right. I mean, thankfully they devoted an entire issue to this, right? You know? wasn't just done over the course of several pages it was an entire issue thankfully they didn't stretch it over two or three issues well yeah. i really appreciated that this was done in one issue and it was well done i really appreciated um even though it was confusing mm-hmm. what was the, um what was the house that you're referring to i'm kind of scrolling through the book now uh What's house the- nine the house of ideas oh i missed that that's yeah. funny mm-hmm. that is funny which is which is not the first time because I think in Thor or something that was something similar something similar or one of those books that something or maybe it was Loki, uh, or something similar like that happens. I don't know. I doubt of. I don't know if those are connected like way, but yeah, I like the the fact that they did that. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was about to say. Unfortunately, this is definitely one of those books that that kind of has been hijacked by events. I yeah. kind of wish they had a chance to tell you know that. Uh, that Al Ewing had a chance to really tell the story, but he's the one that's behind a lot of these events, so it's his fault. Well, at least the last major one, for sure, yeah. So, but uh, in any event, uh, we can move on. Uh, the next book I'd like to talk about is Homesick Pilots Number 1. This is another image book. This is a book by uh, Dan Waters, uh, written by Dan Waters, uh, and art by Casper Weingard. Um, this is a really offbeat haunted house story involving, uh, you know, a bunch of young kids uh, who don't necessarily come from the most stable homes, but they form a band and they have a competing band that they are in conflict with. But it all leads up to a confrontation within a haunted house and everything goes bad. Everything goes south in the haunted house. So it's a really fun, and I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek because it is a haunted house and there's literal horrors that are unleashed, but it's a really engaging first story. I'm looking forward to seeing the second issue. Uh, Next up is Juggernaut number four. This is written by Fabian Nitieza with art by Ron Garney and colors by Matt Miller. This continues the, uh, I don't want to say rehabilitation, but it's definitely a more solid uh, face turn to borrow the the wrestling uh, terminology uh, to create a more solid face turn or or at least a neutral turn for Kane Marco, a.k.a. the Juggernaut. Um, We we get a confrontation between him and some characters that one character I hadn't seen in ages. And one character we've seen, you know, uh, you know, we, you know, a lot of people last saw in uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, he's Swiss, um, but the other character I'm referring to is Primus. And if I say Primus, you know who the other character I'm referring to is. But um, you know, I hadn't seen that in a while. We get a developing uh, plot with uh, with with regards to this uh, super hu- super villain jail that. Um, uh, that's been in the background of this book. 
as well as a confrontation between Kane Marco and one Sidorak. You know? Yeah. I really like that. It took a while for us to get to this point, issue four of this limited series, to find out what Kane Marco's relationship had become with Sidorak, but I appreciate getting it and the way it was pulled off in this issue was done really well. Yeah, uh, the only other thing I really add to that because I was going to go through a couple of those, but apparently uh, the, the 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 main focus is, ends up getting some stuff from War of the Realms, and actually I'll go ahead and spread a spoiler alert, folks. Arnim Zola, that's who. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's who we're talking about here. Uh, apparently, he got some stuff from War of the Realms as as we see, and also apparently Primus uh, must have met Speedball because he kind of references um, and when he's talking to uh, Diesel. He's, he's talking about, oh, yeah, I met somebody like, dude, real chatty, bouncy dude. So I was like, okay, that, that sounds like, um, sounds like Speedball. Oh, I didn't even, I didn't, I did not pick up on that. Good call. Yeah. Because I can't think of, like, I mean, obviously, there are a couple of other people, like, who's kind of bouncy in the Marvel Universe, but I figured, like, that would be the one that, that that's referencing. Also, there was a look at the big brain on Brad reference. I'm sitting there, like, I don't know where DCL is. DCL would be old enough to catch these references, but. Where's um. Oh shoot! What movie was that? God dang I it. saw it. It's like I'm supposed to recognize that, but I do. But I do not. Uh, was, was that Ghostbusters or hold on? Um, I totally forgot. I think it was a Ghostbusters. No, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, um, um, Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Samuel Jackson when he when he was uh trying to interrogate the dude. Oh, during that sequence. Yeah. Okay. I'm- we all know what big... we remember from that sequence. So right, yeah. Look at the big brain on Brad. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that reference. So anyway, but yeah, that's, that's um, yeah. But that's pretty much that. That's funny. Okay. Uh, next up is one of the King and Black tie-ins that came out this week. That being King and Black Namor number one. Um, this is written by Welcome Back to Marvel, Kurt Busiek. With art by Benjamin Dewey uh, and Jonas Scharf. Jonas Scharf, they're doing different sequences, and colors by Triona Farrell. Uh, this is a flashback story, at least um, for the most part. <coughs> Excuse me, I should hit the cough button. Um, for the most part, this is a flashback story. This is going. This is a, a four-issue limited series that's going to go over, uh, I guess, some history of. Uh, probably an object that is related to Null and the symbiotes that has long been buried that became part of a story buried deep in uh, Namor's past, and that's how this is going to tie into King and Black in the present. So that's that's implied. It seems like it's a slow-moving story, but it's a four-issue series, so five will get you ten. The main thrust of the series is going to be revealed in issues two and three. And I believe last up for me is also another King in Black tie-in. That is Venom 31. I am reading these for strictly to strictly keep up with the event to see what's going on. The events of this issue come straight off of the ending of King in Black number one. It's written by Donny Cates with art by Ebon Coelho and colors by Jesus Abertov. Um we have a character who we flash back to uh, at the beginning of this issue who I am not familiar with. I don't follow Venom that close. I've not followed 
Cates' Venom that closely, so I am not familiar with the character that we are introduced to on the first page. But he is hoping for the best when it comes to Eddie Brock versus, you know, what is coming as a result of Null's uh, invasion. He would much rather have had Flash Thompson, Agent Venom. This this character probably goes back to the Agent Venom days. Um, his name is Rex Strickland. But uh, in any event, that is uh, kind of what he is monologuing about as he's going through what is happening. You know, he's observing what's happening. He's going through some files. Um, you know, the news is rapidly reporting what is going on uh, with uh, Null's invasion of Earth. Uh, there are news choppers everywhere, but unfortunately, everyone's satellite feed and Internet feed is being um, uh, interrupted here and there because of what's going on. So uh, so we get a little bit of um, uh, a come to Jesus moment uh, for Eddie Brock. Dylan, his son, uh, is uh, tapped into both the uh, the hive mind uh that's that's an aspect of his uh, burgeoning powers he's tapped into the hive mind of the symbiotes and also taps into um a video feed from i believe it's one of the bunkers that ezekiel built for peter parker i don't think it's silk's uh bunker but i think it's the bunker that he built for peter parker so he's got a feed um and he sees what's happening but uh, unfortunately, um, uh, Eddie Brock is uh, taking a turn, a severe turn for the worst at the hands of uh, Null at the end, you know, from the end of uh, King and Black number one. And it doesn't get much better at the end of Venom number 31 for him. So that is that. And that wraps my books for the week. Do we know what happened to Flash Thompson? Got killed. Oh, did he? Oh, okay killed in the pages of amazing spider-man due to this or from something else no, to uh the carnage symbiote and uh green goblin i must have missed that one okay yeah norman norman killed him when he was uh goblin carnage goblin uh, whatever you know amalgam they named him carnage that, goblin goblin carnage was that recent relatively okay I'll look that up as you go through your books and I'll okay. let you know. Yeah, well, I only got three books anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but I was like, I'm just kind of curious because I, I, I read the first couple of pages of that Venom book and I was like, okay, they mentioned that. And I was like, what happened to him and do I really, really care? Anyway, um, The Rise of Ultraman number four. So, Kiki is elsewhere. We come to find out she's in, um, actually, she's in Limbo. <laughs> not necessarily our limbo because I do make a reference to, to magic in my notes on this but so come to find out that um, see Shin helps Yamato, Yamamoto escape by way of director of uh, Itatani's ship in his ship uh, who apparently they both have a history with each other uh, the mystery of the K-rays are revealed uh, come to find out that the K-rays don't destroy Kaiju but they just transport them into limbo uh, which is the big crux of the problem because uh, the the USP has been sending Kaiju to Limbo for, at this point, 40 years. Uh, and there's a lot of Kaiju, which means that the, the, the place is overflowing and bursting at the seams, which the way they make it sound, um, 
kind of like when the uh, containment unit for the Ghostbusters uh, was shut down and all the ghosts uh, got loose. A similar thing could potentially happen, except for you know a big kaiju explosion of uh, of limbo. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, we kind of find out that this is the problem, and the USP hadn't really been doing anything about it. Um, but at the end, uh, Shin and Ultraman go in to get Kiki, and as they come back out, uh, one of the kaiju come back out, which looks like a big, a familiar kind of looking. Um, let's say big lizard uh, that uh, folks have loved for years kind of looks like that uh, happens to escape also. It's not the same. It is definitely not the same. It is definitely not that particular um, licensed character, but a similar looking one, let's just say. Uh, Injustice year zero number 12. So everyone at the white, uh, at the watchtower escapes a spacey fate. Thanks to the Doctor, uh, Batman, and Superman. They moved to the one other place they probably should have uh, thought to go to before they went to the Watchtower. Um, but meanwhile, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, which they do make a reference to that in one of the pages, kind of, sort of, um, which you might see on CB Caps. Um, I don't know, probably in a, few, uh, in a day or so. Um, but meanwhile, at the fall hall of foreshadowing, Superman and Lois talk about future plans from the news that they received. Uh, the league searches the country for Joker, but he's elsewhere digging up Magneto's he- talking helmet. Thanks to the amulet, uh, and brings on a little chaos to the league's door. Uh, let's see. Star Wars, which is uh, the last book that I have star Wars, number nine, uh, the 4th and 7th Rebel Fleets are now back together. Operation Starlight begins! Uh, C-3PO is actually useful for something, which that's, that's you know, me being silly. Um, Space Rosetta Stone. Uh, it belongs in a museum, which is where Lando and team has to steal it from on Coruscant in order to generate new unbreakable um, codes. Uh, but one sacrifice later and, and the job being done a new problem presents itself. Um, yes. And that is it for me. Clicks okay. of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we do have one click of the week from, because wait, did, did Dirt actually? No, he did not. Okay. We do have one click of the week from, um, from Tim. Which is a very solid pick in sword number one. So. Very solid, very solid. Yep, yep, yep. Totally. I, I'm. I, I'm. Uh... Oh, I also forgot to mention in that sword, uh, sword issue that there was a hope you survived the uh, experience reference right off the bat, and I was like, that was unnecessarily unnecessary, but I appreciated it one way or the other. When uh, mm-hmm. cable and so uh, when cable and um and uh magneto was talking right, right right like i i don't i don't recall when the last time it's ever been said out by a character like that but like i said it was appreciated gotcha 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 um, uh, you got yours yeah i'm going to back up tim on this and go with sword number one it's a solid pick yeah solid solid pick 
I think, uh, so this is a kind of a tough one because, you know, there's, there's a couple of good books. Uh, Strange Academy, great. Guardian's kind of weird, but still also good. Um, but I think, Sword also, but I think I am probably going to go with, also, yes, Sword's definitely a, a like I said, a really good pick. Uh, but Marauders number 16 is what I am going to go with. It was one of my potentials as well. Yeah. Like as soon as I read, because I, I, it, I didn't get like you. Yeah, I didn't get. Well, you read it, kind of, you know, read those like right off the bat. I kind of waited a little bit because I knew I was, you know, at some point I was going to wait to get to them. It was like as soon as I read that, I was like, "You, why did I not read this first? <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So I was also mentioned uh, very quickly that yeah, it, uh, Flash Thompson gets killed um, by the Red Goblin. That's what they call them. Mm, okay, Red Goblin. This happens. Uh, let's see what issue. Um, hold on, just checking the footnote. Amazing Spider-Man number eight hundred. Oh wow! Okay. Mm-hmm. Which wait, where are we now in legacy numbering? Uh, let's check the cover for fifty-four, eight fifty-five. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so it's been a minute. Okay. I, I, what I was going to say is, uh, think about it. Um, slot. This is right before Slot ended his run. So this is the, the penultimate uh, Slot issue because Slot ended with 801. Right. Then it jumped into Spencer. So, yeah, it's been a few years now mm. that we have, no, that, that Flash Thompson got killed. So mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. All right. So oh. now we're going to go in, into the news section. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for, as I wait for the page to load, Busted Tees. This episode of the Comic Book Chronicles is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture. Cleverly themed, cleverly themed t-shirts inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, Geek culture and much more are all on sale. To help keep our podcast free, order from Busted Tees by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, click on the Busted Tees banner and then shop for awesome t shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Now we go into the news. And we start off as we do uh, about this time with the cinematic news. Wonder Woman 1984 runtime is just shy of uh, Batman v Superman. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's got to be better than Batman Superman. Huh? Is that a good or bad thing? We don't that's know the yet. question. Uh, I mean, Patty Jenks is still involved. Everybody still that was involved with that last one uh, is still involved as far as we know. Um I feel like, in that respect, it's probably going to be a good thing. Because um, those trailers did kind of seem to, to, to kind of pack a good bit in, even though... So it says here that, according to Fandango, the film clocks in at 151 minutes, or just over two and a half hours. Which, you know what? Good thing is coming out on HBO Max. <laughs> Where you're going to be in the comfort of your home, uh, you know, the comfort of your own home, and you could be like, alright, click, I need to go to the bathroom. 
Exactly. You can press pause and start and rewind anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Subtitles and all that good. Just, although they, they, you know, there are you know audio subtitles that movie theaters did have at at some point. So whether this one's going to be part of that, regardless. So yeah, that places it above Wonder Woman's 141 minute runtime, uh, and just below the 152 minute theatrical cut. Uh, actually, that's that's a good notable right there because yeah, that the other cut was a little lengthier. Uh, of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. There you go. Oh, uh, next up. All right. Uh, next up, Gal Gadot says that Diana Prince is lonely in Wonder Woman 1984 for obvious reasons if you watch the first Wonder Woman movie. Huh? The sequel seeks the Amazonian princess in the 80s at the height of the Cold War fighting new foes in Maxwell Lord and Barbara Ann Minerva slash Cheetah. That's a minor spoiler if you don't know who the character is. Um and that's you know, that's that's pretty much it. You know, that's that's pretty much what we have to say about that. We have a lot of news to get through too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of, Wonder Woman 1984 director encourages watching it on IMAX screens. Um, I believe that first article also kind of mentioned something about this also. But um, uh, And also there was another article about how uh, Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot is getting you know a, a bunch of money uh, um, from this outside of what they're getting, I guess. I'm not even sure. But regardless, hey, look, get your money. Um, anyway, uh, it says here that um, with Wonder Woman 1984 release uh, weeks away, the film director, uh, Patty Jenkins, took to social media to encourage fans to see the much-delayed sequel on IMAX films. Not going to happen here. Uh, Jenkins championed the film's IMAX experience on Twitter after retweeting Wonder Woman 1984's uh, advanced ticket announcement. Excuse me, Jenkins wrote, I had such a, an incredible experience shooting on IMAX, and I can't wait for some of you to get to see our film in its greatest glory on their screen. Now, she also has come out, and I believe we talked about this last week, saying that you should see this on the biggest screens that you can. So this is nothing about anything she's saying here is any different than what she's been saying before. Right. And what's funny is that that's normally what we would say if it weren't for a pandemic going on. Exactly. And yeah, we and we definitely had like good directors or some Vitium charge was like, yeah, you should definitely still go for the, the, you know, the theater experience, even though, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, shouldn't be trying to go anywhere. But it, it is what it is. And some people have saying, well, there's nefarious reasons because of X, Y and Z and money and outside of that. And the thing that I just mentioned with the the 10 mil they got or something like that. But blah, 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 yakety schmackety on okay. that stuff. Next up. Next up. Deadline reports the CW is developing an adaptation of Naomi based on the 2019 limited series. That's already been 2019. It's been that long. Uh, It's been a long year, man. Right. That's crazy. Limited series from writers Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker and artist Jamal Campbell. Naomi is being developed by New Gods director slash co-writer Ava DuVernay and former Arrow writer slash co-executive producer Jill Blankenship. DuVernay and Blankenship are both writing and executive producing the new series. Naomi will be produced through DuVernay's Array Filmworks in association with Warner Brothers Television. The official logline for Naomi reads, Naomi follows a teen girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse. When a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core... Naomi sets out to uncover its origins, and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes. Okay, 
Now, I know Tim has read, I still have yet to read that miniseries, and part of me is kind of, uh, you know, hesitant about it because it's, it's, uh, um, Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> but also at the same time, well, he's had, you know, he's, you know, the, it, and he's been, uh, the, it's been co-written by David F. Walker, which we like, which we like a lot. And artist uh, Jamal Cameron, and and also the character was, um, you know, was was co-created by, I believe, was it Jamal Campbell uh, and uh, and or David O'Fark? Regardless, some other people had their hands in it. Which, granted, he the same goes for his other characters, which Bendis has gone on to done some really silly things with, um, or about. As far as we know, no one in here is called, named Jefferson Davis. So one of these no. days. One of these days, I will actually read this uh, probably soon. Knowing this is coming up, I'm gonna check out that uh, miniseries and the rest of Young Justice, which this article says that yeah, she's been a part of, which we knew about. Uh, Batman Beyond documentary explores the classic "No one want, nobody wanted." Uh, despite being a beloved and iconic part of DC's animated history, there was n- little to no enthusiasm surrounded Batman Beyond's inception beyond the se- behind the scenes. Uh, a new online documentary explores this lack of fashion and the unlikely rise of, quote-unquote, the classic nobody wanted. Uh, so it's apparently a documentary that was done by IGN that has been posted on YouTube. Uh, and it says here that it deals with not only the details of the production history that led up to Batman's Beyond's creation, but also provides some commentary from interviews with the cast and crew, including Wilfred Organ Kelvin and Conroy. Um, so yeah, you should be able to check this out right now on the YouTube from IGN. Next up. Oh, okay. Um, the CW unveiled its first full-length look at Tyler Hoechlin, or Hoechlin in full caped Superman regalia for the upcoming series Superman and Lois. And the latest incarnation of the Man of Steel carries what the designers call a classic timeless vibe updated for the modern arena with streamlined muscle structure, no less. You can see the photo at the uh, um, on the Deadline.com article, and I was just waiting for that to load, and it actually looks pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it, definitely the modern take with no underwear on the outside. Right. But uh, it is a pretty good-looking costume. Uh, Hoechlin says he finds that this new suit is representative of the show. And just as the suit is unique and set apart from the ones that preceded it, the story where they're telling about Clark and Superman at this point in his life is unique and something we've never seen before. Okay. Uh, yes, and if you're watching the video, you can see a picture of the suit uh, and Hoechlin in the suit. And I'm kind of wondering if they're going to do any of the Arrowverse or... Well, I guess they've already been a part of the, the Arrowverse, but I wonder if they're going to do any of the recent Superman stuff like, uh, hey, Superman died, but you know, here's this other one that came into the universe type situation. But we'll see. Regardless... Next up, uh, The Matrix 4 official logo reverses original movie's color scheme. Uh, The official logo for The Matrix 4 offers a twist on the original trilogy. The Matrix 4 will bring back a few familiar faces from the first three movies, including Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, um, including those two people. But basically, if you can see see here um, if you're watching the video, you can see the new logo. Uh, which is pretty much the old logo, but in black and not green. 
and with a white, it's got a white background and so as opposed to the black background. So right. there you go. Next. All right. Next up, Oscar Isaac is set star in uh, Metal Gear Solid for Sony. Um, he's attached to play Solid Snake in Jordan Vogt Roberts's action movie Metal Gear Solid, currently in development. The film is based on the 33-year-old 33 Jesus <laughs> year video game franchise created by Hideo Kojima and published by Konami. Okay, Metal first Gear. Yeah, the first Metal Gear game was released for MSX home computers in 1987. Metal Gear Solid is the third game in the series, debuting at the 1996 Tokyo Game Show and was released for PlayStation in 1998. Wow. Facts on facts on facts. Yeah, and that was the NES version. That was, that was I believe, was different from the MSX, MSX version. Right. Um, I believe. But, yeah. So, yeah, I wonder if there's going to be a kept you waiting I mean, you know, ask Isaac, sure, he could pull off Snake, especially with his current beard, rocking the current beard. So, sure. I, yeah. Metal Gear Solid is a batshit uh, crazy series. Excuse me, a bat crazy series. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of be, it will kind of be interesting to see what they pull from if this, if and or when this happens. Next up, though, uh, Invincible adds star studded cast to series. So during CCXP, which some of this news is is going to be coming from, by the way, uh, World's event in Sao Paulo, Brazil, Amazon Prime Video announced additional voice talent coming to its animated series Invincible in 2021. So the likes of Clancy Brown, uh, Diamond Hanshu, uh, Ezra Miller, sorry, Jeffrey Donovan, uh, Nicole Byer, John Hamm is also apparently a voice in a character. Um, Jonathan Graff. Oh, did, oh, oh, shoot, that's dude from um, Hamilton. Yeah, I was about to say that's King George. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mahershala Ali um, is going to are going to have parts in this. I am not familiar with um, Invincible all that much. I mean, I kind of know what it's about, and I've read a couple of issues, but yeah, that's kind of cool, though. So there's a a lot of folks. I mean, you know, Clancy Brown's going to be a, a a bad guy because you know that's what he does well. <laughs> right. Next up. Wow, there's a lot of news that literally dropped today. Pretty um, much. Which yeah, some of we, it we'll probably get to. Uh, you know, some of it we'll touch on, but some of it we'll get to later. Right. Uh, let's see. Where are we now? Invincible. Uh, no, we just passed Invincible. Right. It's Miss Marvel. Oh, I get the fun one. Marvel's under fire for some of their rumored casting choices for Miss Marvel, resulting in a hashtag fix Miss Marvel trending online. One of the upcoming, uh, blah, 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 we know this. The show will debut Iman Vellani as the titular character Kamala Khan, but while fans are excited for her portraying the part, it's not like that for some of her co stars. A dedicated fan page for Miss Marvel on Twitter. With the handle Miss Marvel News collated some of the rumored casting choices for the project that are deemed problematic, and these may have been confirmed today. That includes Andrew Brodeur, who supposedly has multiple gender discrimination charges against him. Boo. <coughs> Excuse me. The account also cited Matt Lintz rumored to play Bruno Corelli being a Trump supporter. Boo. And finally, the hiring of Yasmin Fletcher and Zenobia Shroff being hired to play Muslim characters when they're not in real life. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, that gave the potential casting. Given that potential casting news, hashtag Fix Miss Marvel started trending, asking Marvel Studios to reconsider these choices. We may be beyond the point of no return for some of those, though. Yeah, if if uh, the news we we're going to get to in a little bit is, is an indication, and, and I don't know whether any of that bears out. Um, it actually sounded like those last two names were probably going to be like uh, Nadia and the sister-in-law, if that's the case. If uh, But that's neither here nor there at this point. Next up, and yeah, and you know what? There's really nothing you can say about that, because, yeah, it's I, I understand it. I, I totally understand it, especially with uh, all the, the last couple of ones. But definitely those first few. But this article also points out at the time that it was done that it's important to note that none of these have been were officially announced yet at that point. Right. So, again, we might get to that in a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, Black Panther's Letitia Wright apologizes over anti-vax video controversy. So a lot of people probably know about this and we don't necessarily need to get into the, the, the nitty and or the gritty. Um, she basically um, shared a link to a YouTube video that questioned the safety of uh, the vaccines that are coming out uh, and made some comments about it. And I think she has gone on to not only apologize about it, but deleted the, not only the, the tweets and the video in question, but I believe she deleted her Twitter account from this to which some people are thinking that the, the, the Disney Marvel snipers got to her and not, she did it on her own accord, which I suspect mm-hmm. she probably did on her own accord and had nothing. To, and there was also rumors that she had been given a stern talking to from possibly some higher ups at Disney or Marvel or probably Disney, uh, uh, surrounded that also. But at the, at the time of this writing, she had, um, deleted the, the tweets and apologized. You know, and of course, people were, you know, as some people tend to do at this time, was like calling for her to to uh, get get fired from Black Panther. I was going to say it could be a mix of all of them. So yeah, uh, could be, but we don't know. know. Yep, no way for us to know. So, um, and it also, as this article kind of goes on, it's like yeah, the, they mentioned the Gino Carano situation, which she still has a job with, it regardless. But in the difference is that at least Letitia Wright has apologized where. Gina Carano has not backed down from any of her statements. Right. Next up. Uh, next up, the worlds of the CBS sitcom How I Met Your Mother and the Marvel Cinematic Universe collided thanks to Marvel Studios concept artist Andy Park. Park posted an illustration recently depicting the How I Met Your Mother cast posing as Marvel, uh, various Marvel superheroes as seen on his Instagram page. Head over there if you want to check that out. Yeah. it's uh, If you're if you watching the video, you can see uh, the, the picturing. It's not not bad looking not, not bad looking actually um now then all of the star wars marvel and disney plus news from disney's 2020 investor day like i said we won't go into all of this but we'll probably come into some of it uh because there's probably. a lot yeah there was definitely a lot so there was so today there was an investor call um from disney that's have that apparently was like four hours or something like that uh, that started at 4.30 today uh, as of this recording, which is Thursday, December the, the, the 11th. Oh, excuse me, it's December the 10th because we have now passed midnight. Aye, aye, aye. Um, and there was a bunch of news. Uh, let's see. Uh, and apparently, let's get this a couple of... Uh, so, yeah, they talked about Marvel What If. There's a new Fantastic Four movie coming. Uh, apparently, Secret Invasion, which has been long rumored um is going to be a thing 
there's an Iron Heart show because uh, I, I was oh yeah, that's coming out, and I think I was um saw potential casting from that uh, for Riri uh, on Twitter, uh, which I'm and I think that Iron Heart was uh, also kind of rumored to be a show that was coming, so that's cool. And two new two Guardians of the Galaxy shows looks like right a Christmas special. Mm-hmm. As well as uh, what's the other one? What's the other one? I'm like scrolling through. I'm not familiar with the layout of this article, so uh, they're basically so if you, the the they they basically link to the the uh, the art the other articles. They took obviously in a thing like this. They oh, have, it's like an index, okay, right? So they have basically have them all break down into the title, and you can just click through to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, a trailer. We get a trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is de- de- going to be de- next March. Uh, the final trailer for One Division. Uh, apparently, you- so what? Did you watch any of the trailers yet? No, not yet. I did. I watched. That's that was one thing I did uh, in prep for the show. I watched some of the trailers. They're really, really good. Mm. I watched yeah. Wanda. And uh, the one division and the Falcon Winter Soldier one specifically. Wait, is it different? Is the Wonder Woman division one different from the last one? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I had to check that out, man. Uh, let's see. There's some Disney. Uh, actually, actually you know, hold that thought. I could be mistaken. There was definitely a lot of similar stuff. Sure. I don't know for sure if it was completely different, but it felt like there was some things different. Gotcha. Uh, Moana and Tiana get their own musical Disney Plus shows. That's some more Disney stuff. John Mulaney and Andy Samberg are Chip and Dale, because apparently that's going to be a thing. Um, let's see. Oh, so Cassie and Andor is actually going to get a Rogue One prequel uh, thing like they've been rumoring. Uh, let's see. Nine new Star Wars shows. Um... <laughs> Good gosh. On Disney Plus, including looks like Lando Osaka and New Droids, oh my. They need to put uh the droids uh nineteen eighties uh cartoon on there. If they don't do that, that's a disservice. Um Yeah, like I said, Lando's getting a show. Um Oh, Rogue Squadron getting is getting a movie directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh, Hayden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader for Obi-Wan's uh, show, which is still going on. Ahsoka Tano's getting her own show, like I just mentioned. Wow, there's a lot of freaking news. <laughs> yes, there's a ton of news. It literally just dropped today. Right. Oh, they're doing so they're doing the same thing they did with Moana with Rey and the Last Dragon, which that is good, but also kind of sucks. Because that that one at least is the one you would probably want to see. Because that that trailer looks like oh, kind of all right, starring um, uh, Calamari Tran as the uh, as the 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 voice of the the hero of that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of news. Like I said, some of this will probably you'll probably hear us uh, reiterate last week. But definitely, there's an article in the show notes about um, all of this. Oh, that car show that we I think we had talked about one time is still happening. Uh, and Lima, well, Miranda's doing something uh, for some fan animated film. So, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of main there's a couple of main things that we can touch on, and we'll probably talk about more in depth hmm. over the next week. You know, like going into next week uh, before we get to the Christmas break. But um, there's a couple of big ones that come up. One is that Marvel's announced that they're not going to recast Black Panther, right? After 
Bozeman's passing. Uh, the news that's that's come out of this is that they're going to do a more Wakandan uh, set, uh, uh, based story. Um, there's lots of speculation as to whether or not they'll introduce someone who might take the mantle up at the end of the movie, but we'll see how that all goes. Not it's going sure. to be and directed by um, Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get, as I mentioned, the the first trailers for uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and uh, WandaVision. Uh, Marvel announced Secret Invasion and four other new Disney Plus series for the MCU, including um, Armor Wars, Ironheart, and two Guardians of the Galaxy shows. Yeah, again, uh, uh, eight to seven reiterating stuff, stuff that I've kind of right. <laughs> said already. No but. but no, but I don't know if you because I can't remember what you know because like these are some of the big ones. The reason why I wanted to to mention some of the big ones is that I don't know if you mentioned that they announced a new Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I did. I did say uh, that. Oh, all right. Um, also, Disney Plus is getting a price hike. Price hike is going right, up. Right. That's, that's what I was going to. That's what that I, I didn't say. It's funny that it's funny. I knew you didn't mention that. I'm like, right. wait a second. They announced a price hike uh, for the streaming service, which is going to make it eight dollars a month, seven ninety nine a month in the United which, States. Still not bad, honestly. Oh, I mean, now that uh, they're putting out this, I hate to say this, now they're trying to justify the price hike with all this uh, 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 announced content, which might still take a while to get to our screens. Right. And the fact that they did the, the, the thing they did with Mo- uh, Moana, that live action Moana, and they're doing with this Raya, uh, Raya thing, that's kind of a bummer. Because, like, okay, it's already a paywall. Why would you put it another paywall, you know, with, with some of the content? And why are you doing it with that stuff? But you know, it, it is what it is. It could have been worse. They could have done it with uh, Mandalorian. So, which and they would have been, there would have been some real upset people about that. Did you mention that John Watts is directing the Fantastic Four movie? That one I did not. I did not say that part. No, I only I only mentioned that is because he's now a ve- he's now officially a veteran of the MCU. He is the director of, uh, as many of you might know, of the Spider-Man movies. And Mm -hmm. he's going to be directing the next Spider-Man movie as well. The current one that's that's filming right now. So I have this distinct feeling that the movie is in good hands. I hope. We would hope. You know, the Fantastic Four movie has never had, you know, this is not necessarily uh, had good movie showings. Right. (laughs) So, but anyway, but yeah, that's a lot of that. Like I said, some of that we'll, we'll probably, um, there'll probably be some more stuff on later and we'll retread some of this next week. Um, but all good stuff. This, I was about to say, my version of this article was the T.I. and the, um, the I forget what the character's name is, the, the Dust Malkian from Ant-Man. And, and, and Roddy Cass was the, uh, the Louis version. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> next up. All right, let's see here. Uh, Lucasfilm confirms, no, that's not the Razor Crest in Rise of Skywalker. Really? I know, right? That's funny. All right, so that's pretty much it. They confirmed that that's not the Razor Crest that's flying in that, I guess, in that group shot in Rise of Skywalker. Right. So, okay. Which, I mean, I obviously you can see why people would mistake that. but And I guess... Given that what we now know what happens to the ra- which I guess now that ooh maybe we're not going to get a razor crest at the end of the season. <laughs> Who knows, man? <laughs> so that's anyway, funny. so yeah, that's that's the whole thing. And then and uh, even from the time frame that the Mandalorian is and Rise of Skywalker, there could be other totally reasons, and they could very well be around. You know, 
Anyway, uh, speaking of Ant-Man news, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer confirms the return of Janet Van Dyne in Ant-Man 3. Uh, during an interview segment on the podcast Ladies First with Laura Brown at the 535 mark, Pfeiffer disclosed that Janet will be in the next franchise entry, but refrained from elaborating any further on plot details because Disney snipers the aren't there. Snipers jumped exactly. out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most she revealed about Ant-Man 3's production was that the filming for the project is quote-unquote supposed to happen in spring of 2021. And sounds like mostly everybody uh, is coming back for it. And I guess it's like everybody is uh, coming back for it, you know, including the aforementioned uh, Dashmakian and T.I. That's um, cool. And, um, and uh, Michael Pena. And, of course, the addition of Jonathan Majors as Kang. Right. And also, I believe, actually, no, it's probably the same actress that did Cassie, too, in Endgame. Uh, yeah, I would guess so, because that character... Mm, you know it doesn't say here but i would imagine so because that person that person would have grown by now right uh yeah they might have to recast that again maybe um all right let's see uh dr strange in another uh marvel stuff uh another mcu uh announcement dr strange brings rachel mcadams back for the multiverse of madness for the first time since 2016 that was 2016 (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Time keeps on slipping. Oh, my God. Rachel McAdams will return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. According to Deadline, as reported by Deadline, McAdams will reprise her role as Christine Palmer in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's cool. I, I liked her in that movie. Yeah, she was all right, actually. Um, I know uh, a, a person, a friend of mine who's happy about this because they had a crush on her from this movie uh, and probably other things, I think. Sure. And, and for some strange reason, I'm thinking of Lazy Sunday, where she, she gets referenced for, uh, yeah, for whatever her for, um, whatever movie she did. Anyway, don't need to go into all of that. But yeah, good news. Um, speaking of Spider Man, actually, Spider Man Three will see the return of Andrew Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, Doc Ock. Uh, report says, and actually, uh, we can add to this, uh, quite possibly. Netflix's Daredevil Charlie Cox. Right. Um, so it appears that uh, according to a report saying that we'll see cast Spider-Man, oh, and uh, Tobey Maguire also, uh, to see past Spider-Cast members returning for the new movie. Uh, again, Andrew Garfield, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus. Uh, I believe Topher Grace has also been linked into said reports, which this article is not really saying. Uh, Emma Stone might be coming back as Gwen Stacy. Uh, they've already mentioned the uh, Jamie Foxx in passing a while ago, coming back as Electro. Uh, but also, like I said, um, it says here that Charlie Cox has also reportedly joined in, reprising his role as the long-suffering glory of vigilante Daredevil from the now-canceled Netflix series of the same name. Again, this is coming from some... Um, I guess some rumor site. And I guess it kind of makes sense because after what happens... At the end of two, uh, yeah, PD's going to need a lawyer. So why not? And it's, if it, if this report holds out and all of that is true, it's good that they're using the Netflix, uh, Netflix version and not going with someone else. And hopefully more Netflix uh, characters kind of get folded into the mix 
in the next phase of the Marvel U- U- uh, universe or mm-hmm. the MCU. So yeah, cool. Next up. All right. The current animated series, Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise Uh-oh. airing Netflix. Oh wait, did I skip the, the, the no. uh, yeah, you did, but, uh, okay. No, I thought I was, that was wrong, but yeah, you did skip one. Just go ahead and keep doing it though. All right. So then you can do this, the, the, the Stacey Abrams one. Um, no. Uh, the Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise just debuted its latest trailer on Netflix's YouTube. Earthrise is the second season and chapter of the War for Cybertron trilogy following Siege, which was released earlier this year. And the Autobots appear to still be on the losing side of the losing end of the struggle against their lifelong foes. You can check out the trailer on the linked page or on the YouTube page for Netflix. Have you watched it yet? No, not yet. Yeah, the sound. Of, I think this, my article might say something about that, but it sounds like it might be some time travel also involved in some of this, which is not unheard of from the Transformers, you know, in a kind of a way. Uh, and it sounds like it lo- also looks like the Quintessons might be showing up in this. So interesting, and Galvatron, which is again kind of is a later thing, so that's going to be weird. But yeah, there you go. I haven't watched this yet, but I will be watching this after the show. Uh, next up, though, or backing up a second, uh, David Boreanaz disagree with, disagrees with uh, Stacey Abrams' Spike versus Angel theory. So this is, I wasn't going to actually put this in here, but I was like, this is kind of dumb, but silly. Um, so Buffy the Vampire Stage's David Boreanaz weighed in on Georgia political activist Stacey Abrams' pro-Spike angel versus spike argument as the one who played angel he's uh unsurprisingly dissented uh quote all i'll say is this man true love is first true love is first love and first love is true love drop the mic end the story mm-hmm. uh Boreanaz explains to the rap i don't think we need to continue i mean it's pretty simple right uh let's think about that for really a moment your first love is your true love your true love is your first love in the story he's really not really saying nothing and all of that um but he basically goes on to say it's like all due to all due respect to stacy abrams i disagree but you know hey you're coming from the character's you're coming from the character's mouth here i think i'll be the final word on this wow mansplain <laughs> So here's the, thing, the funny part about this. Like, yeah, we've seen characters kind of come out about things uh, that may or may not have be going on with their character, whether they be right or wrong. And some of them we take and some of them we don't take. This one's kind of like, all right, calm down, David Boreanaz. <laughs> you don't necessarily know, even though you were the one who, who you know, are the character. So, and that whole first love is true love don't always holds up, you know, as as mm. well as he might think it does. In actuality. Righto. All right. Next up. Uh, next up, Cobra Kai Season 3 is bringing back yet another character from the original series of the Karate Kid films, Kumiko, played by actress, yay, Tamla Samita. I see why Agent 70 skipped that other one so he could, so he could get to this one. I, we, I see the, the machinations there. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The YouTube Red series migrated to Netflix after its first two seasons, continuing its slew of karate channel teen angst. I've never watched this uh, uh, Cobra Kai uh, launch. I believe it's on on Netflix. Right, now that it's on Netflix, it'll be easier. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, what was I saying? Uh, c- it continues its slew of karate channel teen angst and broken parent-child relationships. It's also seen many familiar faces return from the 80s films. The latest confirmed of whom is Tamita's Kumiko. That's cool. Yeah. She was looks good. introduced in Kid Part 2. Yeah. Again, like I said, it still looks good. Absolutely. So, I yeah, I, I obviously I think this is still on YouTube Red and probably coming to Netflix or uh, this particular season, season three, which I think is uh, the the current no, one. The, the the first two seasons are now on Netflix, also. I know, but um, what? Oh, Cobra Kai should be interesting to watch when season three premieres. The sort of season hasn't happened yet, right. but I'm thinking, but I'm saying it probably won't be on uh, Netflix until like afterwards. I'm assuming. <laughs> YouTube Red, huh? I thought it was all. I thought they were. I thought they were. I thought the show had moved to uh, Netflix permanently. Maybe, maybe because of money. Um, it doesn't say honestly. It doesn't say here if that what uh, whether that's the case or not. But I know it did definitely come to Netflix. So I am not entirely sure. It was originally a YouTube Red uh, show, so that could very. It's what you said. Just could very well be the case, and it is that wholly moved over to Netflix. Not right. sure though. We'll, we'll check on that. No yeah. worries, folks. Yeah, indeed. Next up, though, um, Dav Pilkey graphic novels uh, land DreamWorks adaptation. So let's see. Dav Pilkey's Dogman is coming to life as an animated film from DreamWorks. Uh, I believe this is DreamWorks also being of Captain Underpants uh, adaptation. So, yeah. So this will serve as Pilkey's second team up with DreamWorks, who also adapted his, his uh, Captain Underpants series, of course, like I just said. Um, Peter Hastings will direct the movie adaptations of the hit graphic novel series. So, cool. Next up. Uh, Cobra Kai Season 3 premieres January 8th on Netflix. Okay, cool. Yeah, because the article said it was going to win the premiere of the whatnot, but not where, so... That cool. is soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're on a lost Muppet Christmas Carol song is being added back to the movie. The Muppet Christmas Carol um, actually had a previously lost song, and it's being restored to the movie, though it might not arrive on Disney Plus in time for Christmas. As reported by the BBC, a ballad called When Love is Gone was removed from the film as Disney thought its maturity wouldn't be enjoyable for younger viewers. The song was originally meant to play as Scrooge is taken back in time by the ghost of Christmas past. When Scrooge and his fiance Belle and their relationship as predictably the notorious workaholic is prioritizing his job. All right. I'm going to need Disney Plus to put Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, even though I believe that was an HBO thing and probably won't happen to put that or HBO Max needs to get off their stuff and put it on there one way or the other. I don't care, but that needs to be out there. Period. Next up. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog races into a 3D animated Netflix series. Uh, so let's see. Sonic the Hedgehog is heading back to television and mobile devices in a new 3D animated series for Netflix. A tweet from the official Netflix uh, Twitter account reads Rings? Check. Sneakers? Check. Speed? Sonic. Uh, Sega's legendary video game icon Sonic the Hedgehog races onto. We just said that as that. Um, from Wild Brain and Man of Action. They've been around doing things for a while. Um, are collaborating with Sega to develop a new take on the popular video game character. Uh, yay! I still haven't seen that movie yet. So neither. But anyway, next up, 
Next up, an agreement has been reached for Funimation to acquire Crunchyroll for $1.175 billion Mm. in cash, creating a worldwide anime streaming powerhouse. The company announced Wednesday. The companies had been in exclusive negotiation for over a month. Um, Sony in exclusive negotiations to buy Crunchyroll. That had been the previous story. Funimation is a joint venture of Sony Pictures Entertainment, Inc. and Sony Music Entertainment Japan, Inc. subsidiary Aniplex. Uh, Crunchyroll is a subsidiary of AT&T subsidiary Warner Media. AT&T had been pursuing a sale for some time. As a way to raise cash, the company carries a heavy debt load since the Warner Media acquisition, and Sony now owns the undisputed top streamer of anime, facing off against Netflix and other newer entrants into the space. A merger is apparently planned, with Crunchyroll telling its customers until the deal closes, Crunchyroll and Funimation will continue to operate independently. So, so let's see what comes out of this and how much the subscription cost might be. Well, there is that also. I kind of, so when I first saw this, I kind of, or even last time when the, the rumors started cropping up over this. So basically AT&T sold to, to Sony and, you know, uh, the rest of this fills in, as Agent Sony said. Parties I don't like because, well, it's good for Crunchyroll, um, you know, in a way, because, you know, they, they get to keep operating. Uh, but also, you know, I didn't like the fact that, they, that uh, AT&T kind of had them. Because of Warner Media and you know what's going on with DC and all the you know other other properties they're in, so they're uh, hopefully they're going to a new home. But also, Funimation is a big not only uh, um, they have their app and stuff like that, but also Funimation's a big um, you know anime producer. And I kind of wonder how that's going to play out for Crunchyroll, who basically licenses out um, uh, you know kind of like Netflix style licenses out. Um, uh, anime to watch and and manga to read from a lot of places, which granted right. Funimation, you know, being one of the bigger ones, they, they have some. Uh, so I kind of wonder if they're going to go full. How this is going to work out, and whether they're going to have some of the same deals that they're going to have going forward in this, and whether we'll be able to see the same quality of um, anime that they've had, or whether it's just going to be hey, this is going to be just Funimation from now on and just there and whoever you know whoever else they got to deal with. I kind of doubt that's going to be the case, but also that's that kind of makes for some weird dealings coming forward, especially since you know it's Funimation, you know, and other places might not want to be too privy to be like I don't want to think of when y'all are getting our money and you know it's kind of one of those things like well people are putting all their stuff on different platforms and. People don't want to be on other people's platform that they're not really getting much from, especially in a case like this. We'll see now. We'll see. It could be a good thing, but I'm not liking it so far until they turn up. So basically, folks, watch all that stuff from other um, from other anime houses on Crunchyroll while you still can, if you still have a Crunchyroll thing. Next up, though, uh, the Boondocks intro recreated it with Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Uh, so apparently some loyal fan on Twitter has taken their love of the hit show, the boondocks to a very unexpected place. Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I love personally also. This clever matchup has made a splash on Twitter, garnishing increased hype and interest for both mediums, both forms of media. Twitter, Twitter artist, uh, Alexia of Toronto 
She has this incredibly faithful introduction sequence from the boondocks in the world of Animal Crossing for all of Twitter to admire. It is faithful, shot for shot, rendition, foot tapping theme, and all. As of this writing, over uh, 6K, 6.6K people agree, as the, the tweet has gained popularity with fans of both the TV show and the video game. And I guess, and this is also ahead of the fact that there's going to be a new season of the Boondocks uh, forthcoming sometime, I think, next year. Which I don't know if this person has anything to do with. I don't think so. Just a fan of it. So that's cool. And I think there might be, there's a, maybe a link to it in this article, but I don't see it. So, cool. And now we get into the comic book news. Uh, And we start off with, wait, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Nope, that's right. Cool. Just had to make sure. Um, DC names new Wonder Woman creative team. Uh, this is pretty much coming out of DC Future State stuff, which the next few articles is probably going to come out for us to buckle up. Uh, and there's an update to this saying that DC has released new images and information about the series that, of titles that will launch in March and April after Future State, one of which being Wonder Woman by uh, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, along with new artist Travis Moore, uh, which is going to return on March 10th with Wonder Woman 770. And then it kind of just goes into... Um, you know, the, the main crux of the article. Oh, cool. Next. Okay, you can meet the, quote, new Nightwing of DC Future State Teen Titans. There's some spoilers herein. Spoiler, spoiler. Uh, DC shared some of these images from January's Future State Teen Titans number one ahead of the virtual Justice League family panel um, over at Brazil's CCXP Worlds. The new images include three interior pages from the issue. The first that's seen um, in this article um, uh, has Red X, a character who, like Harley Quinn, was created for a DC animated TV series. In this case, the early 2000s Teen Titans series. It's a long time ago now, yo. (laughs) Will make comic book debut in Future State as the partner of the new Nightwing, quote unquote, who appears to be wearing a Nightwing costume along with a variation of longtime Titans nemesis Deathstroke's mask. So that may or may not be uh, Dick Grayson. It probably still is. Given what's going on with Teen Titans Academy, I'm kind of doubting that. But yeah, very well could. But and also this, uh, as this article kind of says, like yeah, we see on the cover that the Teen Titans book that uh, Dick is um, reaching for Deathstroke's mask. That could still go one way or the other, honestly. But we'll see. Next up, new Teen Titans Academy speaking of and Green Lantern titles launched post uh, Future State along with Justice League Dark Return. Uh, again, this is an article that has an official story, uh, original story that has been updated uh, with the cover image from the debut uh, image that is in this article. But it basically says that, hey, yeah, there's a bunch of new stuff going on with Future State, and including not this video that is being shown on the video. Uh, Green Lantern will be written by Jeffrey Thorne and drawn by Tom Rainey, who are the creative teams for the main story of The the Last Lanterns and Future State. Justice League Dark was returning, written by Ram V, uh, who was writing the series before the December Endless Winter crossover. And uh, Teen Tate's creative team of Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval. For some strange reason, this article saying, are you noticing the pattern here? Uh, will launch a Teen Titans Academy series in March. 
The new series will tell the story of the founding of the titular Teen Titans Academy by former members of the Teen Titans. And also familiar on the other side of the aisle, which, you know, I'm sure we will get to when we get to that. Uh, <laughs> we get to future state. Next up. Uh, next up, DC hints at another animation to comic books jump by a character during future state. The first one being Red X that we mentioned earlier. And uh, they're just hinting that there might be somebody else coming. Um, you know, and it'll be featured in Future State Shazam, and Future uh, it'll be featured in Future State uh, Shazam, probably. Mm. That's as per DC's description. Yeah, so I'm not sure who that'll be, but hey, well, again, we will see. Future State is upon us next in a month, next couple of months, weeks, in weeks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. after endless, yeah, yeah, after endless winter and at the beginning of the year, yeah, Future Future State starts. And I got a feeling some of that is probably in that that book they put out, but I haven't read it, so I don't know. Um, anyway, one DC future state hero is already in a crisis, um, which is actually kind of funny. Something about something that I kind of uh, thought about, um, which this is spoilers for Far Sector Number Nine, which came out last week, which I talked about, but we won't really go too much into. Uh, so it sounds like that. Um, uh, the Green Lantern of Far Sector, Sojourner Marlene, is going to be in the Justice League uh, uh, um, in the coming future state, which is cool because I was kind of wondering if she was ever going to get back to to Earth and get folded in. Uh, but basically, this article is about what she's going, what she's uh, doing in, or what happened in the last uh, ish, issue of her book, which was nine, which I just talked about last week. So that's it. No need to go into that. You can go check out last week's episode. Right. Next. All righty. Next up, DC has debuted its next Batman, the identity of the star of DC Comics' future state, uh, the next Batman. A book about the bright future of the DC universe has remained uh, shrouded in mystery since it was announced in October. But now the comics publisher has pulled back the cowl to reveal. Spoiler alert. Tim Fox, son of current Wayne Enterprises CEO Lucius Fox, is the future Batman. All right. Yeah, kind of makes sense. Also, because his other son, uh, Tim's brother, uh, um, Luke, was also a Bat character, Batwing. Batwing. Yeah. Um, and Lucius being head of Wayne Wayne Enterprises and solely... Um, uh, you know, responsible for a lot of Batman tech. This somewhat kind of makes sense. I was about to say, he's not going to be like Iron Man is like, no, nah, I got an I, I Batman's my, my, um, <laughs> my body card. Now it's probably not going to be that situation. <laughs> yeah. But I believe this is also the book that John Ridley, the, the Batman book that John Ridley is, um, supposedly writing. So I'm, I'm guessing that this is that. Yeah. And that bears out in this, um, in this article, but, the sad part about this is as things tend to go, especially this being future state and this being DC and they stay losing, this yeah. Batman's probably not going to be the continual Batman for right. that much longer after uh future state, knowing the stupidity of Batman fans. Mm. Uh, and I dare say racist, racist <laughs> the, the racist ones out there. Cause I'm sure. And I know I've seen a little bit of this, who don't really right. care about this. What I was going to mention, though, is that I was surprised it wasn't Luke, but I guess we're going a little further into the future. Right. 
Yeah, I thought about that too, but I guess, and I don't, I don't, don't remember what happened near the end of that wing because I think I had fallen off of it at that point to where maybe mm-hmm. some kind of there's a reason why he's not uh, uh, around now in costume. Right. I don't, you know, like I'm not as familiar with it, and I have to do a little bit of uh, research. But that was my initial thought. I was like, Tim. I thought his name was Luke, but it's another son. Right. It's another. Which yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know there was another son, but. Exactly. Exactly. My point exactly. So mm-hmm. you were you were just as surprised as I was. I, yeah, I assumed totally. it was you know, I since he'd been groomed, like literally been groomed as a member of the Bat family. Right. You know, come uh, uh, a, a possible successor to Batman. That's what that's pretty much the only thing that surprised me about. But I'm also surprised because I'm kind of surprised why is it not Duke? Because he was also grooming Duke, who we now know well, as a signal. About all members, you know what I mean? Like that's the thing. So Right. But but like the only reason why I was leaning towards Luke is because of the whole uh, kind of pseudo connection to Batman Beyond, right? It, without knowing, without having seen anything about what uh, future slate, future state Batman would be, you know, I kind of thought that it was going to be Batman Beyond esque. So my initial thoughts were, oh, it'll be you know that kind of suit, it'll be that kind of story, but right. it's not that far into the future. It's not like you know, uh, flying car future. Right, but who's to say it won't? Because, I mean, we're already getting shades of that in the current Batman Beyond thing, and who's right. to say that, yeah, some of that still won't bear out in Future State anyway? Exactly, exactly. So, but, um, but yeah, you know, uh, point being, uh, I, I, you know, when this was first announced, I was thinking they were headed towards the Batman Beyond. Right. Uh, and I thought, oh, that'll be Batwing, because it's, yeah. so, it, it's such a natural progression yeah. into, into the suit, you know, and the look is the same. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, they, the, the the progression still could be there in some run, probably. Like as much information as we've gotten about Future State, we still there's some things we still don't know. Plenty, right? Yeah. All so right. anyway, was that what you gonna say? I said moving on. Yeah. Uh, Scott Snyder reveals uh, the titles that set up 2021's DC Universe. So let's see. Next year we'll be seeing DC Comics take a giant leap forward with DC Future State. And of course, uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal will, will wrap up its run, which I would imagine that should be forthcoming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Death Metal writer Scott Snyder announced on Twitter that the final wave of Death Metal books will close out the month, like I just said, starting next week. Uh, we'll post more soon, but next week we'll start the final wave of Death Metal books. I'm deeply, deeply proud of these and grateful to all involved. Um... And of course, it just kind of runs down the last few books that are uh, coming down the pipe from that thing, uh, which is a few. Uh, and there's even one that's not even been mentioned. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. Uh, next up, there have been several uh, developments amongst the Bat family uh, with regards to uh, the future of Batgirl and Barbara Gordon and the full return of Oracle. Uh, this has happened at the height. Uh, this happened during the height of the Joker War, where Barbara uh, basically jumped into the Oracle chair because they needed more coordination in the war. You know, during the Joker War, and uh, in the aftermath, several of the um, Bat family who did not necessarily have um, Bat symbols as part of their um, uh, 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 costumes, such as uh, Stephanie Brown. Um, they all put on, uh, bat symbols onto their costumes and, uh, you know, I'm speaking specifically of, uh, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, um, to maybe take on 
uh, the Batgirl mantle as uh, Barbara slips back into the Oracle uh, identity. Mm. And yeah, cool. Uh, next up, uh, just in Justice League, an Arrowverse hero uh, has their own ugly holiday sweater, and this is spoiler for Justice League Endless Winter number Endless Winter Special number one, which came out last week. Um, the TLDR is that Flash visits um, um, uh, Black Lightning and his family, and apparently, um, um, uh, uh, wait, what is his name? Why am I forgetting his name? Jefferson, thank you, good guy. Uh, Jefferson has is 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 decorating a tree with his kids, with the, with his daughters, which I thought those were his nieces. But maybe that's changed. Uh, but he has on a Black Lightning inspired uh, Christmas sweater. Um, Christmas sweater that uh, the kids called the ugliest sweater. There you go. Next up, hey, uh, in spoilers for Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Wonder Woman: War of the Gods was that last week? Probably. Um, or this week, one or two. I don't know. I think it was last week. I think there's only one dark multiverse, you know, uh, dark okay, nights. That was you know, flash. That. Yeah. That's flashpoint this week. So yeah, maybe that was last week. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, a dark wonder woman, dark version of wonder woman, uh, performs, uh, a mortal combat fatality on none other than Superman, uh, flawless victory. Um, you know, just, uh, tune into, uh, the aforementioned book to check that out. Or if you're watching the video, you save yourself from trouble and look at it right there. Picture right there. Next up, uh, DC's Damian Wayne gets a new costume. Uh, and I believe this has something to do with uh, Detective Comics 1032 spoilers uh, and what's going on there. So, yeah, Damian gets a new con- uh, gets a new costume. He runs up on the bat and they have it. They have a scrap out. And some, I guess, some things get revealed. I don't know. I'm not reading it. Next up, I think that's this week's Batman. Right. Uh, next up, Hot Toys announced they will re-release the Batman figurine based on Christian Bale's version of the Cape Crusader in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, which was originally uh, released in 2012. Okay. Which, by the way, folks, speaking of, I did not put uh, Nolan's and whoever else's. Uh, HBO rant in the thing for because it's just noise and who cares. Mm. Um, but apparently they don't like HBO Max for some odd reason. Who cares? Marvel's Spider-Man, Mar- uh, Miles Morales' final soundtrack announced, and you best believe Radicat has already ordered uh, one. Anyway, uh, much still like the original Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man uh, PS4 and PS5 launch game. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man, Marvel's Morales, will see its impressive soundtrack get a vinyl pressing available. Uh, well, actually, as of uh, yesterday, uh, well, actually, as of Wednesday, uh, before the, the day before this recording, um, <clears throat> is when this uh, start started. So you can go to Mondo Shop uh, uh, as of December 9th and order the soundtrack on volume, which is a 2LP vinyl for 35 bucks uh features the artwork by chun lo and 2x oh it's a two times 180 gram either colored or black volume vinyl 
so you have a choice. Uh, and includes the score by composer John P- uh, Paisano, as well as I'm Ready by Jaden and Lecrae. I don't know who they are, Where We Come From, and This Is My Time, both those um, songs. And you can see um, the track listing and the artwork for uh, this treatment in the article below. Next. All right, next up in some cool toy news, Nerf's biggest Mandalorian blaster won't let you disintegrate a Jawa, but it's still cool. Um, I'm speaking of um, Din Djarin's Ambun, Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster. Um, that's a disintegrator. And um, mm-hmm. it's, a, you know, it's a really fully functional Nerf toy. The bad news is you can pre-order the Mando Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster um, now, but it's going to set you back $120, which is on the pricey side for a single-shot Nerf Blaster. Um, and you won't be able to get it until fall of 2021 at the earliest. Um, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a cool replica. Um, it's big. It's a lot of plastic. So yeah. um, it comes with 10 shots of uh, silver foam darts, reminiscent of the Whistling Birds ammunition. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So that's pretty cool. It does look really good. It does. I would actually almost, I would consider this, but that's just a lot of money. replica. Right. right. Just replica. Like I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if, um, cosplayers who do, um, uh, Dinger in for cosplay when we were able to go back to cons, pick this up as a, as a piece of, uh, cosplay, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, right. costume. Uh, or you could do like that one person we uh, did uh, that we talked about last week and make your own, <laughs> which is probably arguably a little bit more costly than this. But you know, right? I was about to say one hundred twenty dollars for a pretty accurate looking uh, replica. I mean, it's unfortunately like a little bit more pricey than like the actually. You know what? The Captain America sheet. You know, like the Hasbro Marvel Legends mm-hmm. uh, uh, cosplay uh, replica stuff has gotten more expensive, so it's actually probably comparable now to that price. Right. Or, or you can do like I probably want to, would like to do and find your uh, that uh, dark saber. <laughs> well, that's next. <laughs> well, I think they already there is already a, a thing out there, well, or it's coming out. Right, there's a toy out. Right, uh, remember that's the one that got the uh, what's it called the parent warning. Exactly. Um. Yeah, and I've been looking to pick up a lightsaber anyway, so it's probably going to be a couple of them. Anyway, next up, though, speaking of news that we t- kind of hinted about um, earlier when we were talking about The Mandalorian, uh, Hasbro crowdfunders react. Uh, company took $10 million to create Razor Crest toy. Uh, so, yeah, we talked earlier, spoiler alerts again, for what happened d- during the course of uh, Mandalorian. I think I probably will put... Um, 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 a timestamp for folks who don't who want to kind of skip past the spoiler part. But basically, yeah, there are fans uh, who saw that episode and are kind of uh, upset about um, uh, what happened to the ship. But also, mm-hmm. apparently, it took them ten million dollars to to crowdfund. Uh, let's see, yes, it's a Razor Crest toy, Star Wars. Uh, sub- supported a HasLab crowdfunding campaign that ultimately provided Hasbro with nearly $10 million, $9.8 million to be exact, to create an incredibly too cool toy version of Din Djarin's ship. 
So yeah, uh, if you did not know, uh, HasLab is pretty much Hasbro's crowdfunding thing for stuff like giant sig- uh, big Sentinels and other stuff for people to lust after. Um, and you know, basically it's Kickstarter for toys or their own toys. Um, wait, did they did the, they did the cell parts too? I didn't know that part, but regardless, yeah, this is, um, so this thing that happened and like, because of the issue, because of the episode that happened, uh, toy backers are none too pleased. Like I just said, because Mm -hmm. of, something that happened during the course of the uh, episode. And I guess they got links to, oops, they got links to uh, people's, um, people's reactions to it in the course of this article, which again, I will say, I don't see how that has, what that has anything to do with the value of the toy because of what happens to the the real thing. But you know what? Uh, Collectors are crazy. We sometimes we get a little out there. I mean, I get it to a certain extent, but at the same time, like it doesn't. It's, it's still a thing. All right. <laughs> anyway, next up. Next up, uh, last Friday, uh, Hasbro had their Fan First Friday, and they showed off a bunch of new Marvel Legends. It's great that this uh, story fell to me. Um, <laughs> first up, um, there are the uh, X Men House of X uh, Powers of Ten assorted figures. Fans can pick up the char- the uh, the new style. Charles Xavier, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Magneto, Moira McTaggart, Omega Sentinel, and Wolverine, inspired by those comics. Those figures are going to cost $19.99 each and are going to be available through Hasbro Pulse and several toy outlets. Um, next, there is a Modoc figure, which is awesome. It comes with four accessories and costs $49.99 from Hasbro Pulse or several toy outlets. So it's a pretty cool Modoc figure. Um, you know, it has like that floating. Um, it's similar to the um, uh, uh, what you call it, the Toy Biz version, but it looks, you know, it has an exchangeable face, which is funny. Like you kind of pull his face out, and uh, you can uh, replace his face with another uh, alternate face. Mm-hmm. There's also a movie Deadpool from Deadpool Two um, that's going to be out, and it's exclusively at Amazon for twenty four ninety nine. And finally, the Silver Surfer is getting some love as he rides. Uh, this is the the Silver Surfer, uh, the Fallen version from the the King Thanos, or Thanos Wins, I believe, uh, uh, story from Donny Cates, where we have uh, the Silver Surfer basically uh, in gray slash black, and he's wielding Mjolnir. And this figure is going to be exclusive to Walgreens. We also got some news. I don't know if you have here that um, the space, uh, the, the the Walgreens wave for next year is going to be space based, and I don't know if you have this I here. Don't. I don't. There's a couple of other figures that have been announced. Namely, there's going to be like an OG Nova. Oh, nice. Like Spider Nova that's going to be exclusive to Walgreens. I may or may not get that. I really like the new style, the Annihilation style mm-hmm. that they have. You know, with the spiky, um, uh, the spiky shoulder pads. But, um, you know, if you really wanted to do an old school New Warriors, like shout out to at Matt Wang 97, you may want to pick up the Walgreens Nova to uh, to, to build that out. Right. So I was looking at the the that that uh, X-Men and I saw who was it? Was it Carlos Payan or somebody had uh, I saw these fixtures that uh, through whoever artists um, uh, put a picture of them, of the builder figures, the, the, the mm-hmm. X-Men wave. Uh, before I saw this article, and I was trying to see who the builder figure was, but I see it says here that it's Tri Sentinel. 
Yes, it's the Tri-Sentinel. Sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, I don't know. Is that a thing you would be interested in? Yeah, I'm probably going to build it. I'm probably going to build it. Probably going to build it. I haven't pre-ordered mine yet, but I'm probably going to build it. Yeah, I I was actually considered getting this set, uh, even though there's a couple of characters in here that I don't really care. What I was going to say is, much. at the bare minimum, at the barest minimum, I would probably pick up the Professor X, mm. the Moira, and the Jean Grey. The Jean Grey above all, because we've not seen that version yet. Right. Um, and the, the Professor X version with the Cerebro helmet is still pretty cool. But if you wanted to recreate that initial, because that's what their goal was, to recreate that uh, initial cover of House of X, mm-hmm. uh, cover all characters from that cover. So, um, you know, if you want to recreate that cover, you can do that with this wave. Sure. And we don't have, I'm almost fairly certain we don't have a Ma- Myra. Oh, no, for sure. For sure. So. This is her first entry into Marvel Legends uh, canon. Right. Uh, I'm being and yeah, to round that out, Omega Signal, Omega Signal is in that. Is in that, um, and yeah, that that all makes sense. What you just said about trying to do that, uh, uh, the House yeah, of X thing, cover where they're where they're walking like out at an angle. Right. That's all there. Mm-hmm. So. Even we, the Wolverine, which is kind of like a, uh, you know, how many Wolverines do we all need? There are some of them that are um, peg warmers, right. like the Weapon Wolverine. Like you, you can still find that in a lot of places, but. I believe this Wolverine will probably go because it is very classically. It looks very classical. You know, it's, right. it looks it looks like a classic Wolverine with the brown and, and gold. Right. So, just you know, slightly modernized. So right. it, you can make that pass for a lot of different Wolverines. Mm-hmm. Which, and I was going to say uh, uh, that uh, they haven't really picked up on that um, that uh, Omega Signal Sentinel thing since uh, since uh, House of Hoxpox. Right, uh, but I would imagine at some point, and you know, um, you know, that'll happen because that's I think that's kind of dealing with the future stuff. But regardless, let us move on to um, Deadpool Samurai is becoming its own manga. So Deadpool will be starring in a new arena thanks to Shonen Jump and Marvel's uh, partnership. The starting, well, I guess, already starting uh, December tenth, Shonen Jump will publish a serialized storyline called uh, Deadpool Samurai. Uh, Sanjiro Kasama and uh, Hikaru Usagi, Usugi, my apologies for messing up your name, uh, who worked on the original one shot that inspired Deadpool Samurai, will write and illustrate the manga respectively. Excuse me, the, the announcement came during Tokyo Comic Con. Wow, that's still happening, huh? Uh, as Kasama and Usugi uh, discussed Deadpool Samurai with Marvel editor in chief C.B. Sabolsky, you can insert the joke right there. Uh, as confirmed by Marvel. Next up. Uh, next up, Deadpool co-creator Rob Liefeld has announced he will return to Marvel Comics over a year after his public exit from the publisher in October 2019. Wow, that was more than a year ago. And then he said he was never going back. I don't know. Uh, maybe that was probably not the case, but I know he made a big huff around that time. He was over money? I don't know. Maybe but I uh, felt will return to Marvel to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Deadpool's debut in 1991's uh, New Mutants number 98 30th anniversary. Uh, mm-hmm. Plans for the Deadpool 30th anniversary celebration include a Deadpool nerdy 31 shot uh, and 30 variant covers all drawn by Liefeld mm-hmm. um, featuring Deadpool alongside other Marvel characters, including some of Liefeld's other creations and co-creations. Okay. Yeah, who cares? Next up. 
Um, somebody cares, I know. Uh, Jim right. Lee's Uncanny X Men 268 cover art sells for, wait for it, $300,000. Um, Jim Lee and Scott. Yeah, I know, right? No, it's actually Uncanny. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, no! Anyway, uh, Jim Lee and Scott Williams' original art for the cover of to uh, Uncanny X Men two sixty eight has sold for whopping the uh, two three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Originally released on September thirtieth, nineteen ninety, Uncanny X Men two thirty two sixty eight is the issue where Captain America Marvel, uh, excuse me, Captain America Black Widow and Wolverine meet supposedly for the first time. Um, and you can see uh, a rendition of the cover on this article. Uh, let's see. And it goes into the specs on art. Uh, let's see. Hand lettered, paste up by Chris Eliopoulos is, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. but it's all there and it's sold. And I don't know if agent 70 saw this prior to this and is looking, was looking for his copy <laughs> to see how much it would probably sell for. Oh, my copy of the comic. Right. Oh, I have the signed by, uh, my, my copy is not mint, unfortunately, cause I read it to death, mm. but um, I uh, I have it signed by Jim Lee and I believe Chris Claremont too. So mine mine's not worth you know mine's worth a little bit of money, but not a ton. Right. But it's one of my favorite covers. It's one of my favorite comics. And what's funny is that uh, later on in the article, it's uh, it's revealed you know as, as part of the provenance of the of the uh, the page, um, Scott Williams, uh, you know uh, the famous inker of uh, Jim Lee, sold this page for wait for it. Six hundred and fifty dollars back in nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. That's a forty six thousand and fifty three percent return on investment. Holy crap! Right, and I was about to say. And to be fair, he could probably recreate that and be like, "No, nah, this is another one. I just happened to come across this." <laughs> like, I mean, yo, Jim. What, what's got- yeah, what Scott Williams says is that $650 was a huge amount for a brand new cover back then in 1990. Kidding mm-hmm. me? I was in high school. Like $650 for a lot of things was expensive back then. Right. And there's a hashtag yellow on here, which <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. Think about what you were paying for in 1990 and how much that cost, right? Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but he says no, no regrets back then. So, and as you just said, uh, it was, it was, big back then so and yeah definitely was so you know hey tis what it is on that one next up um oh, i was about to say i got this one yeah no. uh marvel has decided to delay the x-men spin-off series children of the atom again Boo. Fail on march 3rd 2021 this is the second time the teen mutant series has been pushed back Children of the Atom number one was originally announced for an April 2020 debut, but because of uh, COVID-19, it was put on hiatus, then scheduled for January 6, 2021, but now it's been changed to March 3rd, 2021. All right. Uh, Yeah, but it was a little ways away, but yeah, it was upcoming. That's the the kicker. Like, it would have been in our previews soon. Right. Uh, X-Men Reign of X era has the theme of expansion, according to Jonathan Hickman. Um... So, yeah, this article pretty much goes on to say that, um, let's see, this is a, Rickman, Hickman said that his favorite shenanigans, quote-unquote, from his X-Men, X-Run so far has been the uns, uh, unstated absence of an actual team called the X-Men since the advert of his run, which has gone on uh, 100 issues uh, when including tie-ins. 
that'll change, however, with Reign of X. And we talked about this actually uh, recently about, you know, because it came up in one of the books about uh, the designation of the X-Men and probably not needing to be a thing, but actually does possibly need still need a thing for the time being uh, in a data page. Anyway, so what can you expect from Scott and Gina from here on out? A little thing called the X-Men. Uh, mutant heroes doing stuff, Hickman revealed. While Hickman said that he doesn't have a specific theme in mind for Reign of X and didn't for X of, uh, Dawn of X before that, he did say if pressed uh, that they could be summed up in one word each. Dawn of X is about foundation and Reign of X is about expansion. So There you go. Next. Next up, although it's probably not an Oop. official title and probably won't be considering DC just to use the term as an official brand a few years ago, Marvel Comics him. executive. What's that? So that's not stopped him. Uh, Marvel Comics executive editor Tom Brevoort used the term rebirth, quote unquote, to, re- to describe the next phase of the Marvel Universe. The description took place in the final seconds of Marvel's virtual panel Saturday, last Saturday. For Brazil CCXP, the panel was focused on the upcoming Avengers story arc, Enter the Phoenix, which we just started talking about today, mm-hmm. and was attended by Avengers writer Jason Aaron, artist Javier Garon, who did design work for the Phoenix Force, Marvel character mashups, and Tom Brevoort. Host Ryan Panagos concluded the panel by asking about last month's Avengers 38, which, uh, according to a Marvel tweet a couple of days before its release, served as the collision of the past present and future of the Marvel universe further adding the road to Marvel comics 2021 starts here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, Marvel's black widow title confirmed for February hiatus, but will return in March. Oh, and apparently it's been given a a 10 issue order as opposed to what the hell was it in the first place? (laughs) my guess is that I think a lot of us thought it was a limited series. It may have been solicited as one, but I never it was. Yeah, never revealed that it was an ongoing. And then we started talking about it as ongoing because you know none of the solicits said that it was limited. But right. now it's confirmed that it's limited, but it's coming out. It's going to come out through ten issues. Right. So, um, so it's not been canceled, according to Kelly Thompson. Uh, and you know, questions have um have come up about that, especially due to the solicits. And I feel like we probably have talked about it in passing also. Uh, we have a skip month in February, um, which I feel like I've seen some other thing said that it was having a skip month, in, skip month in February for a reason. And it might've been on DC side. Regardless, so look for Black Widow number six in March, uh, Thompson tweeted. Um... And then the writer goes on to tweet that she's been guaranteed 10 issues of Black Widow, while more would depend on whether we keep doing well. Which, that book's been pretty good. Um, so I'm hoping that that's the case. And it gets to continue. A- at the very least, long enough for the movie to actually come out whenever the hell that's going to be. Yeah. You know, t- you know kind of can go along with that kind of stuff. So, right. anyway, that's that. Next. Right. Marvel has revealed its first new alien project, as in Xenomorphs, since acquiring the rights to the Alien and Predator franchises. Simply titled Alien, the new ongoing series is going to focus on a Wayland yutani mercenary named Gabriel Cruz as he battles a new, even deadlier form of Xenomorph. Alien will be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, who wrote Marvel Zombies Resurrection, and drawn by Salvador LaRocca, uh, who did Star Wars and the recent Doctor Doom stuff. 
with hmm. colors by Guru EFX. So you know cool. the art's gonna be good. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't read much on that Zombie Zombies Resurrection for obvious reasons, because zombies. But uh, yeah. have you ever heard anybody call Wayland Yutani Wayu? Nope. Okay. I have kind of sort of, and it's kind of weird, but I, I get it. Anyway, so yeah, so we knew they had the license. We knew they were coming uh, with a thing, and here's the first of that. Uh, Ghost Rider Special reunites Vengeance and Howard Mackey. Uh, the very 90s-esque extreme Ghost Rider Vengeance rides back into town this month with the one-shot Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance number one. Writer core writer Howard Mackey has re- uh, reunited with his creation in a story that spins out of the recently concluded Ghost Rider ongoing where he helped uh, Danny Ketch fight Blackheart enacted as a fill-in ruler of hell when Ketch was busy. So, one, I don't remember when the last episode of that Ghost Rider series was or whether it had actually properly ended or not. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. But basically, the rest of this article is an an interview with uh, Howard Mackey from Newsarama about it. Uh, so the last thing to say about it, that is December 30th is when Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance is going to go on sale. Last but not least. All right, last but not least. Next summer, Dark Horse Comics will continue its successful line of graphic novels based on Nickelodeon's Avatar, The Last Airbender animated series with a title focusing on fan favorite character and arguably one of the most capable warriors in the entire show. Suki. Not the character from Fast and the Furious. Oh, no, from Too Fast, Too Furious. That's what it is. Right. As the title suggests, Avatar The Last Airbender, Suki alone, Suki alone sees the character separated from both her Kyoshi warrior sisters and the rest of Team Avatar as she finds herself captured by the Fire Nation and placed in a special prison built in the center of a dormant volcano known as the Boiling Rock. There, she has to create a new community for herself if she can manage to convince the other prisoners to trust her. Okay. Which, you know, which Hicks and with consultation from Tim Hedrick, you know, people worked on the show. Right. Yeah. So, uh, worth noting, people, fans of Avatar Last Airbender will know that Boiling Rock was is his was the subject of a couple episodes of uh, Avatar Last Bender, which I think. Agent 70 should absolutely watch since he's seen Korra. Okay. I'm, I have I, not. But, um, Wait, I thought you this, said you did watch Korra. Nope. Oh, because we talked about this like last week. Um, nope. Okay, well, fine. Watch. <laughs> I just got to watch the whole thing. Um, uh, I, don't, I can't. I mean, I know there are people who like Korra. I have not watched it yet myself, or at least not all of it myself, because I think I watched it like a first couple of episodes. But definitely watch Avatar before you watch Korra. I thought you could have sworn you said you watched Korra, though. No, I was going to say this graphic novel is going to be out in uh, on June 22nd, 2021. Right. And Suki is absolutely dope. So, yeah. Uh, for, for especially someone without uh, powers. Uh, Avatar powers. But 8 to 70, go watch Avatar Let's Bad Brother. On this. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, whatchamacallit, like the Trouble Man soundtrack, right? Oh, yeah, no, right. <laughs> Yes, Age of Seventy does has his Captain America style uh, uh, notebook listing the anime he, that he's uh, been wanting to get around to enough, giving them some su- suggestions. Roddy, not kidding. That is so true. 
<laughs> no, I'm very much not. It's, it's like it's 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 so funny though because when, when you know, well, we're not to get into the door because obviously it's getting late. But uh, it's been cool to see this and the the, the for you know for him to be going because wait, you still doing Gundam, right? Yeah, 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 it's a long slog. Yeah, it is. I, I told you, wait, and you still do a wing. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm still on wing. Yeah, so the wing. Yeah, so like I told you, wing kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of goes away. Um, but yeah, it's. Yeah, it's a thing. It's just weird, but anyway, it, it very much is. But also, but it's also the one that's you know, as Gundam series go, that's probably one that even if even as it gets up its own behind and kind of goes places, that's probably the most the more coherent. Well, oh, let me not say that. Let me not say that. That's not entirely true because there are some of the early right. ones are probably more coherent than than this one. But okay, straightforward, I guess, kind of would say in certain ways. Although it does kind of get into something like, all right, you're just getting a little, little way into this and that. But we can talk about that later because we need to get off of this. Anyway, it's always good to see. And we'll we'll be, um, I'm sure we'll revisit the subject at some point later. And okay. that, folks, uh, becomes the, the end of the show. We got one more ad read before we head out. And you know what happens? You know what we read when it's late and we're tired? Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. It's almost Christmas, folks. That's where you're going to catch up. If you, if, but you should still um, go to your local small businesses and support because they all need it. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we uh, get into the end of the show, it's uh, three and a half hours. Good God. Um, Well, actually, it's not even our longest show, to be honest. Anyway, um, we'll be back next week. We're starting to get into the holiday hours, but I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Net dot popculturenetwork.com and all his umbrella sites therein. And probably still on Byte doing reviews. I have no idea. Uh, under comic reviews, no vowels, by the way. Uh, the Osiris said is ish. Tim, D-O-G-G, 9-8 on Twitter. CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account, which I feel like we might should get that from him or at least get some access from him. Uh, huh? Get some access to it, at least. Yeah, at the very least. Uh, but anyway, you know, go over there. That's that is the uh, show's uh, Twitter account. Say hey, how you doing? Uh, but also, he's manning uh, the Click Nation's Twitter account. That's the Click Nation, the uh, K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. Theclicknation.com, um, and also um, comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. 
You can also find this at your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And hey, if you're on Spotify and we made your 2020 wrapped, um, uh, whatever Jingle Bobby on there, let us know, you know, either, you know, by social media or, you know, in the comments or something. I would be curious about that. Uh, we also record every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m. We ran a little, little bit later than normal tonight, but nevertheless, we record live uh, on uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and also twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles, all one word. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like I said, we're starting to get into the holiday times. Um, I was about to say the end times, but close enough for the year. Um, so and probably next week, we'll let you know what Christmas and New Year is going to be out because both of those fall uh, on or some parts of it fall on a Thursday. But like I said, we'll let you know next week. I suspect, I think I know how at least very well the week after next was probably going to go, but we'll see. Or probably both weeks. It might end up being the same difference. But like I said, we'll talk about it. The, we'll get into that. Um, on that note, this has been Boop, the Cumber Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever!